This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Here we go, Wednesday, Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. I'm your host, Mike Gill, Josh Henning, producing today's show. You out there, how you be, how you be. Uh, Phillies not be so good. Uh, a winnable game last night. They let slip through their fingers. We'll explain what happened here on the bash. What did happen today, the Phillies made a roster move. They noticed last night what I've noticed all along. Mickey Moniak stinks, so they need some more offense. A left-handed bat is on the way. Get the details on our website, 97.3ESPN.com. A trade target that the Phillies could be interested in. The big James Harden news is coming today. So we'll have that covered for you. Football at four. McGarry's coming up in 39 minutes from now, precisely. Todd Rank at five. Got the headlines. Ryan in the three o'clock hour. You out there. I mean, that was a game last night that the Phillies, you know, they're down 3-1. They work their way back. Get another home run from Schwarber. And, um, you know, you felt like you kind of got the momentum back in that game. And unfortunately, now I did not watch the game in real time. I had to watch it this morning. I actually was up this morning watching the replay. And, you know, I knew it happened, but I was trying to get the feel of how it all happened. And, man, it's 3-1. You hit the home run there from Schwarber, and you feel like I'm back in this game, right? We have a shot to win the game. And then there's a couple of reasons of where and why the game went wrong. Where where would you say the game was winnable and that they didn't take advantage? Because I have a couple of thoughts on this, but I I could understand if some people thought like, oh, this was the moment. Or if you said, oh, right there is where the moment happened. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And you yeah. on board with that uh, explanation? Yeah, because, well, first of all, one of the things with the Schwarber home run is it came right after... The guys on the did their did their promo for the post game show, said, "Oh, we're gonna come back and win this game." And then Schwarber hits the home run, and McCarthy has to interrupt them and be like, "Schwarber, it's a long run!" Like in the middle of them saying they're gonna win the game, so he almost had a feeling like, "All right, here it is, here we go." But then the Phillies all night kept leaving runners in scoring positions. I believe the number was one for ten. Well, Moniak was just brutal last night. He does not belong well, at the major league level. I think. At all. Uh, I think I well laid that out yesterday and days before on this program. Well, you've <laughs> laid out multiple times, but apparently there's a lot of people, including in the Phillies organization, who need to get this drilled into their thick skull. Well, I, I, I think that's, it, it's hyperbole. We mapped it out yesterday. I don't think they really think Moniac's good enough. Why do I think that? They show you they don't think that. They don't play him every day. They, they play him when they have to play him. They just don't have enough depth in the organization. And I think because of that, as I said yesterday, they don't have any other options. How many guys have been injured on this team? They're a poor defensive team, as it is. You then lose Bryce Harper. They had to call somebody up. It has to be an outfielder. But you just grabbed Mercado. You brought him in. You well, I think I think the fact I think what they're trying to do is maximize the roster. In other words, we have four guys who all aren't very good, so let's accentuate their positives. You're, you're telling me 
like, let's bring in Mercado. What's he going to come in and be the MVP? No, he's a lousy hitter as well. He doesn't hit. But he has a history. Hey, let's actually... let's bring a guy in who's hitting one ninety two. And I mean, would I rather? Do I think he's a better hitter than Moniac? Yes, that's my point. But you're basically, I think, again, you're trying to accentuate the positives of of the average guys you have. So. If I'm facing a righty, I'll throw lefties out there. If I'm facing a lefty, I'll put righties up there. I'll give my team the best chance. Um, look, they're shorthanded. There's no question about it. Uh, I don't think Moniac deserves a roster spot. And he was 0 for 2 with runners in scoring position last night. The team was 1 for 10, so it wasn't just him. Herrera, 0 for 2. DD 0 for 1. Real Muto got a hit last night with runners in scoring position. But Stock came up short, and Castellanos did not have a good game last night. So you had multiple guys who were at fault here. I'm not just picking on Moniac, but I think it was pretty apparent if you watch his three at-bats last night, he's overmatched. He's just overmatched. He can't hit at this level. I don't understand how these guys have big league jobs and can't see I think they can see. Again, I just don't think they have the depth. They don't have anybody. Like, the next guy they bring in after Moniac's worse. In theory, yes. That, that's, the, that's how they, they are probably looking at it. But, Mike, I mentioned this last night to you on the – well, I mentioned you first on the Sports Bash yesterday and then on game night last night. You have a guy in Charlie Morton who, was, who this season's had a very Jekyll and Hyde year. He's been very hittable. He came with a 4-8 ERA last night. Now, yes, he's had a couple of starts in a row that were better than the rest of the year, but he's shown himself to be vulnerable, and it felt like the Phillies just couldn't get the job done last night, and it was just so frustrating to say, here we go again. You won three out of four in San Diego. You look like the offense kind of found its way, and you come back, and you're right back to where you were a week ago where it felt like this team was just falling into the quicksand of, hey, runners are on base, and nothing happened. Yeah, well, I, I obviously it was a frustrating night. You, you scored three runs. You had Wheeler, who pitched well last night. He wasn't great, but he did have the eight strikeouts. He gave up the two home runs, and obviously they uh, ended up factoring into the game. Cordy Canable came in. I think you're starting to see Canable kind of refined his footing. He's They put him in some good situations here, so I like with the way they've been kind of using him in those spots. Bilotti, who's pitched pretty well, to be fair, he gives up that long ball to Olsen last night, and I felt like that was a spot where the game just was deflating. You come back in the game, and then in the eighth, you give up that home run in the eighth, and you're like, oh, man, right after you come back to tie the game up, right? You come back and tie that game up in the seventh. That was a huge home run. Oh, and then in the eighth, you give up the home run. I'm not blaming Bilotti. He's pitched well, but I'm just saying he happened to be the guy. And look, I don't think they have another option. Well, who's the other option in that spot? Who you going to in that spot in the eighth right there? And that's part of the other issue. The other issue is for as much as we complain about the runners in the scoring position, the reality is that the bullpen was on a hot streak. They had that streak of 41 innings. And it was great, and it was a cool moment with Bilotti getting the save in San Diego. But, Mike, doesn't this prove again that this team, they need more? They need more bullpen help. That's uh, We can chronicle it up and down, left and right. If you're out there listening, uh, what's at the top of your list? Because the Phillies today called up Derek Hall uh, basically as a left-handed power bat. He's got 20 home runs down at the minor leagues. 269. Uh, here's the problem with Derek Hall. He's a left-handed bat 
that plays one position. He's really a first baseman and a first baseman only. He's played a little bit of outfield back in college, but has never played the outfield even at the minor league level. So I can't imagine, although this team is poor defensively, that they're just going to stick him out there. So the question is, I would imagine they've just come to terms with we're going to have to play Castellanos in right field and put Derek Hall maybe against right-handed pitchers. You'll see Hall be the left-handed DH, I guess, and then Castellanos will go back out into the field. I guess they're comfortable with the fact that Schwarber is going to be the left fielder and he's just going to play out there and be what he is. Like he's gotten enough reps out there that they... Look, you don't have much of a choice. If you're going to bring Derek Hall up, I would imagine you brought him up to be in the lineup against right-handed pitchers. Right. Um, I don't know. Maybe we can uh, check out his splits against righties and lefties, but he's a left-handed power hitter, so I don't imagine he's going to face left-handed pitching when he comes up. That will be the day Castellanos comes in, and he'll DH. So you'll probably see Castellanos DH against left-handed pitching, and Castellanos play the field against right-handed pitching. Derek Hall, look, this is a guy who's kind of an interesting prospect, if you will. I mean, I'm not going to say that he's uh, Ryan Howard, but my comparison to Ryan Howard is based on his age. Derek Hall is 26 or 27 years old. I mean, he's one of those prospects, if you will, that has just kind of been languishing in the minors and putting up some good numbers in the minor leagues, but he just has nowhere to go. And he was drafted in the 14th round, so he was a guy that, like, didn't have, like, hey, I'm a big-time prospect. But all he's really done for the Phillies is kind of hit down in the minor leagues. Now, I say hit. Last year he had 230, but he gets on base, 238. He hit 235 last year, but he's on base, 34, 344 on base percentage. So, this year, he's up his average to 269 with a 346 on base percentage. In the minor leagues, he's got a total of uh, 101 RBI, 29 home runs. So uh, he's a guy who has uh, really, um, you know, shown some power down in the minor league level. And I think the Phillies are just desperate right now to find. It's funny to say they're desperate. You have Castellanos, but look, he's struggling. You got Schwarber, who's been unbelievable. JT is not the same player that he was last year. So they're trying to find a guy to bring in and try to jumpstart this offense. Hall is hitting 312 in the minors this year against right handed pitching, 188 versus left handed pitching. And his on base percentage is about 150 points better versus right handed pitching. So. I think it's obvious that he is a one-side-of-the-ball hitter. Yeah, so he'll face right-handed pitching. So I think that's the way it's going to go. When when Hall is up, they need a boost to left-handed power. They'll go Hall as the DH. Castellanos will go to right against right-handed pitching. Against left-handed pitching, Hall will sit. Castellanos will probably be the DH. And you go back to that whole Moniac. Uh, Moniac wouldn't play against lefty. I, I, I think this is a move to limit Moniac, to, to be honest with you. I think... They are I, look. I hate to sit here and somebody tweeted at me this morning. I gave you my Phillies thoughts. I should wake up and give you my Phillies thoughts of the day more often than we got some reaction to that. Uh, my Phillies morning thoughts were this. I watched the game this morning, so that's why I tweeted them out this morning. One, Moniac stinks. 
Doesn't deserve to be in the major league. Sadly, no other options in the entire organization at this point. But I don't need to belabor anymore. Moniac is awful. And shame on all you people who, when he broke his hand, were like, Oh, my God, Moniac deserves a shot. He never deserved a shot. He sucked from the beginning. He's awful. Okay, I said my piece on that. Feel better? Two. I just, these people are crazy. Like, Moniac broke his hand. Oh, my God, what are they going to do in center field? I mean, I They locked out by him breaking his hand. Nobody wants it. He shouldn't, nobody should have ever wanted that guy. That kid does not, I said this last year. If he was not the number one pick in the draft, he has no business getting a shot at the major leagues. None. And it frustrates me that he's up there because he was the number one overall pick and they're just trying to save face that they took this kid. He deserves no shot. He deserves nothing. I don't know the kid. I don't. I feel bad saying this with such uh, vigor, but it's just frustrating that these fans out here thought that this guy was going to help this team out. And I told you from the get-go, he stinks. He stinks, and he does not. He never deserved this shot. He never deserved to be called up. Shame on that organization for putting that kid in that situation. They have ruined this kid's career because he doesn't deserve this opportunity. He's way in over his head, and now you've ruined his completely no confidence because he knows he doesn't belong. I said this last year. The first time they put him out there, he looked like he saw a ghost. And I said, that kid knows he doesn't belong at this level. He knows he doesn't belong, and he still knows he doesn't belong. He still knows he doesn't belong. So I feel bad for the kid. I'm not hating the kid. I don't hate the kid at all. i just telling you what I think. The kid can't play. He cannot play. He has no business being up there. And unfortunately, I'm giving the Phillies the benefit of the doubt by saying they don't have anybody else. I, maybe they do. I haven't looked at their AAA roster deep enough. But there's somebody out there that deserves that put in more work, blood, sweat, and tears than that kid has. That kid's only up for one reason. Because he's the number one overall pick. He was the number one overall pick. There's no way he's better than somebody else out there that's not more deserving than that kid. I just want to say it's a breaking news alert that there are are crazy people out there. Like... Uh, my number two morning thought, Eflin's injury was the first crack in the starting pitching. They have no depth to sustain another issue there. They can get through this maybe with Bally Falter, but they Hopefully. can they cannot sustain another injury to the starting rotation. I mean, what what is more frustrating at this point? I mean, is it the situation with the hitting or is it the pitching? And it's hard to decipher, isn't it? It is. Because... You signed enough hitting that you think they should have enough offense. Right. That's the frustrating part. Um, the other thing is, we'll get into this in a second, because I thought this was a big factor in the game last night. Their base running is horrible. Base running is horrible. Now, the, the Hoskins situation just was so embarrassing. The Hoskins thing was horrendous to the fact that the point that it almost became a triple play. Because he was so, Hoskins just so frustrating. Sometimes. I have no idea what he was thinking. Do you? Like when you watched it, were you confused? Like what's going on here? I think uh, uh, Schwarber on third base was confused. I think he was like, "Wait, what?" I mean, that happened in the third inning, but you had a shot there. 
Yeah. Right? You had you a had real shot. Schwarber's on. He walks. Hoskins on. He's walked. Now you have first and second. You have first and second against a pitcher with a 4-8 ERA coming into the game. You have to score there. Yeah. And then what if Castellanos rips one? And I don't know. It just, there was confusion all over the place. It was a mess. But their, their, their base running has been pretty bad. They're a bad defensive team. They're a bad base running team. They're just not very good at the fundamentals of the game. And those are typically teams that do not make it to the postseason, right? No, they don't. Generally. So those are my Phillies morning thoughts. Some of the responses I get was, um, is Mookie Moniak your anti-Charles Bassey? <laughs> That's a pretty good one, right? That's funny. And I wrote back. I said, "That's a good one." I want Mickey to be good. I just don't see it. I call it how I see it. I think that that has been the case with Moniac. I want the kid to to basically, um, you know, be wrong on this. And if if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I, I don't see it. Um, uh, Dave checks in. He says, "I wonder how different of a team this would look like with a Trout trade." He's frustrated in L.A. Phillies need a bat that consistently hit. And Dave Dombrowski is known for his win-now trades. Hoskins and Gene would be involved. Crazy and it won't happen, but it would be fun. Yeah, they're not trading Mike Trout. Mike Trout looked pretty frustrated last night with that team. There's that video going around. Have you right. seen that where, you know, the pitcher's tipping his pitches and Trout's out in center field basically like, come on, dude. Like, are you kidding I, I mean, me? I know what you're throwing, and I'm – 400 feet away. Yeah, Trout's got a look on his, this incredulous look on his You know face. what, though? As much as, like, I, I, guess what? You sign these contracts, I can't feel bad for you. Like, I want to say, oh, I feel bad for Trout. He's stuck out there. No, you decided to sign that contract. You didn't have to sign that contract. You could have been a free agent. You signed that contract before you got the free agency. You locked yourself into a spot for that long. Have enough sense to know that that team's not any good. Well, it also gets back to something they were talking about on MLB Network this morning on MLB Central. They were saying how, look, um, Trout signed with the Angels because he has this sense of loyalty to them. Which is admirable. Which is, hey, you were the team that picked me. Nobody else wanted me. I love you guys. I great. That's great for sentimentality and family dinners. Yeah, but listen, though. Look, we sit here and criticize these NBA guys for bouncing all over the place, right? Ring chasing, going here, right. there. I have utmost respect for Trout, but that being said, you did have a shot to make the decision that, hey, this team's not going to be good enough. I need to get out of here. Right. So, I don't know. It's, it's half a dozen, one or the other. You're kind of, you're, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Because then right. if you leave, then people kind of, in baseball, it's different, though. Baseball has kind of been a sport of where guys bounce all over the place because a lot of times good players get stuck in small markets. That is true. And you now the Angels aren't a small market, but the Angels are a mismanaged franchise all around. Yeah, they're not a small market, but they're also not a high profile team. Even though they're they're the they're the Chargers of of the baseball, they're the Clippers of the you know. Yeah, and I think that there's a part of Trout that picked them because he's comfortable there, and I don't blame him for that. I mean, he's a guy that. You know, when, when Trout comes home to Millville, nobody's following him with a posse and social. People just let him be himself. I think there's a part of him that maybe said, if I go to another market, you know, I, I don't have uh, the the freedom and the anonymity that maybe I have elsewhere. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, he's a rock star at Eagle Games, almost more than the players on the field are. Uh, Jay Mays0924 tweets at me. They weren't winning the NL East anyway for reasons including those you listed. F1 is a number five, four at best. Just have to hope they can hang until Harper returns. Well, nothing I said was suggesting they were going to win the NL. That's number one. Number two. I don't think anybody suggested Eflin that. F1 is a number four and number five. I would agree, and I think he's more of a four than a five. But when you, if Eflin's your number four or five, you have a you have a high level number four or number five. He's a good number four, or number five. Like if he's your number four, he's a good one. If he's right. number your five, that's really good. Yes. Um, and just hope you can hang in there until Harper returns to grab a wild card slot. Yeah, that's absolutely. Now, yesterday we kind of chronicled if they could sweep the Braves, which obviously is not going to happen now. They can still win two out of three. They can still win two out of three. But if you swept the Braves, you would have been tied with them in the division, and you would have tied them in the wild card standings now at the end of this if you even if you win two out of three you're still going to be behind them in the wild card standings where you are now three back of the wild card and look i still think it's a little early to start like looking at where you are in the wild card and all that kind of jazz but i think the east being eight games back right now and that the mets are still kind of hanging on to this thing without scherzer and Degrom for this amount of time I would. I know some people said, "Well, it's only a matter of time until the Mets just met, you know, Mets this thing." I don't know that that thing is coming, man. I think that was under a different manager, a different ownership, a different regime. You could argue that when Steve Cohen bought the team and cleaned house in the front office and brought in Buck Showalter, think, the Mets feel different. Yeah, I think the Showalter thing is the, the difference. But it started a couple of years ago when Cohen bought the team and started firing people in the front office. He was just like, you're out of here. You're in trouble with the law. You're an idiot. You're in trouble. Like He, he just started firing people left and right. People were like, whoa, Steve Cohen's coming in. You're being crazy, man. Uh, Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN. Uh, a name the Phillies could be interested in in a trade and why it's a really smart fit. That's next. Mike McGarry at 245 today. More Sports Bash with you. Don't forget, go to 973ESPN.com slash app or go to the Apple Store or Google Play and get the app right on your phone. It's free thanks to First Bank of Seattle. And this week on Friday, happy hour Friday, I'll be giving away tickets to go see Ramstein live at Lincoln Financial Field. If you want to go see the concert live at the link, you need to get the app. You need to enter on your phone and listen for your name on Friday at 5 here on the Sports Bash. Now, with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey Sports Leader. Sports Bash Wednesday. Hope you're enjoying the day. I think that the Phillies uh, have an interesting name that they can take a look at in the trade market. John Morosi from MLB Network reporting that the Phillies have their eye on Royals outfielder Andrew Benatendi. Now, he's got some ties to Dave Dombrowski. They played, uh, he played in Boston when they won the World Series. Ben Attendee did. Uh, and uh, Dombrowski was the GM of that team. He's now in Kansas City playing for the Royals. Uh, now, he's mainly been a left fielder. He's a gold glove left fielder, by the way. I would imagine if the Phillies got him, 
he would probably move over to center field. Even though he's a gold glove a left fielder, I would imagine he would probably shift to center, but he could also be the leadoff man for the team. I think Ben Attendee would move into that leadoff spot. He's hitting uh, 299 this year with uh, three home runs. He's an expiring contract. He would give them a potential leadoff guy. He could play center field. And then they would allow Schwarber to maybe uh, move into the Harper spot for the time being. Then the question would be, you know, when Harper comes back, hopefully, then you have Ben Attendee, maybe Schwarber. Well, you probably wouldn't want to go Ben Attendee, Schwarber, and uh, Harper. Too many lefties in a row there. That would not be a good situation. I mean, but, do, you, do you keep Hoskins in the two-hole and then put Schwarber at three until Harper gets back? Well, I just think if you... It, look, the trade is not definitive, but uh, John Morosi tweeted earlier, Andrew Benatendi is one name to watch at Philly's trade for an outfielder, as I mentioned on MLB Network a short time ago. He's on an expiring contract. He's having an all-star year at the Royals. He won a World Series title in Boston with the Phillies. I don't think it would cost all that much to get a player like him. I mean, he is 27 years old, so um, I think maybe... Now, when I say not all that much, I don't think you're just throwing a guy at them or cash. I mean, maybe Raphael Marchand, you know, one of your catchers in your city. I don't think uh, Logan O'Hoppy would be the guy you want to give up in that situation, but Marchand maybe. Um, I don't think you're giving up Painter. I don't think you're giving up um, Mick Abel. I don't think they want to do something like that. So uh, it's definitely a name that I find to be intriguing, but I also think it's a smart fit for this team. They need a center fielder. They need a leadoff man, and he would kill two birds with one stone, and he would also be a guy that you're not just trading to kind of hold down the fort when Harper gets back. You're trading so that you can actually add him to the lineup when Harper returns as well. You have him to be a gold-glove level center fielder, which they certainly don't have right now. Uh, He hits number two generally in their lineup in Kansas City. I mean... Uh, I think here in Philadelphia, they need a leadoff man. He probably would be more suited to play that role here. But he is a left-handed hitter, so that would be the interesting thing. Do you go Benatendi, Hoskins, Harper, Castellanos, and then Schwarber is back in the five-hole? I don't know. Or do you put Benatendi lower in the lineup, maybe? You know, is it maybe you do... Schwarber, Hoskins, Bentendi, Castellanos to Harper gets back, and then maybe. Well, I'm talking about when Harper returns. When Harper returns. Well, maybe you keep the Schwarber, Hoskins. um, No, I think you would go Bentendi one, Hoskins two, Schwarber three. Is really the best idea to take Schwarber out of the leadoff hole? I think so. At this point, if he's on base and nobody's in front of him, what's what's the point? Gotcha. I mean, they're just not getting. He's hitting a lot of solo homers. He's just not getting. And then. You're going to get to the point where nobody's going to pitch to him, right? True. So if nobody's on base and he's up, they're just going to pitch around him. By the way, for reference, so Bettentendi, the reason why he didn't play a lot of center field in the majors is because when he came to the majors with Boston, the center field was Mookie Betts. But in the minors, Bettentendi does have 132 games in the center field in the minors. And in college, he had 94 out of 123 games in center field. So mm-hmm. he has been a guy who has played center field. But the problem with Boston was is 
I mean, you really going to tell Mookie Betts can't play center field? <laughs> no, I mean, he's been, and he's a gold glove left fielder, by yeah. the way. He's been very good in left field for them in uh, Kansas City as well. So you got a guy um, that improves your outfield defense. And again, this hasn't happened yet, but there's a name to keep an eye on. And guess what? Frank was on our show yesterday. He also mentioned this as a possibility uh, because, guys, you know, there's expiring contracts out there. There are guys that are going to be traded. The Royals are a bad baseball team. And Ben Attendee's a guy on the last year of a deal. So, obviously, uh, it looks like he's going to get moved at some point. 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. Hit us up on the text board. Look, I think that if Dombrowski's looking for offense, that's the kind of guy expiring contract that you don't have to give up a whole heck of a lot for. Somebody that you're not like giving up one of your Logan O'Hoppy or Mick Abel or Painter. I don't think you need that level of offensive player. Now, you could ask me, hey, what if you can get like, okay, so the Athletic did one player from each team that could be traded at the deadline. And there's a couple interesting names in this category. That I can kind of go through. You got well, Trey Mancini would kind of be in the. Um, uh, I think I'd rather have Ben Attendee than Mancini, even though Mancini's probably a better hitter, but he's more of a first base DH guy. I don't think he can help. Mancini's he help defense is not helping. You. No, his defense doesn't help. Um, David Robertson. Now, you had him here. He never pitched for you. He got hurt. But now he's with the Cubs, and he's pitched very well for the Cubs. So that's the kind of guy I think you can – he's arguably going to be the best closer available. He could probably come here and pitch in the eighth inning. Honestly, I'd rather have Bard from the Rockies than Robertson at this point just because I think – What if I told you you could get them both, but you have to give up more to get Bard? To find more. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have that definition. You just you're going to have to give up more to get him. Now, I'm not saying you. Because um, the reason I say Bard is because I, I feel like Bard fits the mold of what this team can rely on more than Robertson. Because the thing is, Robertson's playing on a, on a poor baseball team. Bard's playing on at least an, an average baseball team in a ballpark that. Gives up a lot of homers. Yeah, and he's but got Robertson, right. Robertson played pitch for the Yankees before. I mean, he's been in on teams that have been in big situations. True. You know, you're not giving me a guy who's coming from uh, pitching in Baltimore his whole career. Is Baltimore <laughs> now the worst? They they're pretty much the dumpster fire at this point of all the teams. Um. Anybody else on this list? Let's see. Um. Uh, these a lot of these guys are position players um michael fulmer would be an interesting guy i like him he was a um kind of a could be an eighth inning guy for you michael fulmer detroit too i'm not sure if dombrowski drafted him or not but i would imagine dombrowski has somebody on detroit on his speed dial (laughs) kansas city's guy by the way is ben attendee one guy from each team they have uh, listed. The Phillies guy, by the way, is Logan O'Hoppy. And if you're trading Logan O'Hoppy, the reason they list him as the guy is because of Real Muto. And we've kind of talked about this, um, whether or not you would trade JT Real Muto. 
then you're kind of leaving yourself a little light at the catching spot this year offensively, although he hasn't done much offensively anyway. But then you're also losing some defense behind the plate. Fulmer was actually drafted by the Mets in 2011 okay. and was traded by the Mets to the Tigers for Cespedes in 2015. Was 2015, did Dombrowski make that trade? That's what I have to double check. I don't remember the exact year. I'm checking right now. What, the, what was the last year Dombrowski worked in the Tigers organization? Because he was there in 2012. His last year was 2015. Right, so he probably made that trade. So he theoretically would have made that trade. Depends if it was in, I don't know, the offseason or not. Uh, I'm double-checking. Yeah, because Fulmer's pretty good. He would definitely be a guy I'd be interested in. Dombrowski was fired August 4th of 2015 in the Fulmer deal. Let me get that date for you. Line up these dates. Don't assume anything. Yeah, the Cespedes deal, I think, came, I guess it was right around the trade deadline. Right? Uh, sorry, I'm so scrolling. Could have been in like the waiver area. You need a better yes. phone. It was Your phone stinks. I told you I was stupid smartphone. Yeah, it's not good. So that was the last trade Dombrowski made before he was fired. He got Fulmer. You got Fulmer for Cespedes. Well, Dombrowski, do me a favor. And make five it days a, later, make he was another fired. trade. Make another trade for Fulmer. Make another trade for Fulmer because that was the last thing he did before he got fired. That's true. <laughs> uh, He's like, I made this great trade and you fired me. That's a good one. Fulmer's pretty good. He is. Fulmer's a guy that people have talked about a couple times potentially being traded because he's on such a miserable franchise. Uh, Sports Pass Live 97.3 ESPN brought to you by American Airlines and Atlantic City International Airport. ACY has your one-stop ticket to over 90 domestic and international destinations. Book your next trip today at aa.com. More Sports Bash coming up. Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City. We got football at 4. Todd Rank today at 5 o'clock. You don't want to miss what Todd had to say about jury duty. He missed last week because of jury duty. I can't bash. wait for this. Coming up. The best way. Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Max. Weekday mornings at 6 on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. All right, Sports Bash is live on 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Get the app on your phone, and you can enter to win tickets to Ramstein this summer at the link. All you have to do, go to 97.3 ESPN.com slash app. Download the app. Just get your name in the hat. If I call your name on Friday at 5 o'clock, you're going to see the concert at Lincoln Financial Field. Get the app now. It's free thanks to First Bank of Sea Isle. All right, we got a lot of fills. Got some Sixers. Obviously, we're keeping our eye on the James Harden stuff. NBA free agency tomorrow. Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City. He's back with a lot of thoughts. Uh, the Phillies lose last night, but they had Harper, obviously, out of the lineup. They're going to do that for a long time here. 
And uh, today they call up Derek Hall, Mike. And uh, I would imagine that Derek Hall is not going to uh, fix all these problems here, but it might be a sign that they're ready to kind of uh, give up on Mickey Moniak and that whole experiment. Yeah, it's a sign that they're searching for a solution, right? A lot of focus last night on Mickey Moniak and his at-bat in the sixth inning, uh, down 3-2, runners on first and third against a left-handed reliever, Dylan Lee of the Braves. Uh, a lot of people, including myself, thought maybe Rob Thompson should have gone to Matt Veerling to pinch hit there, the right-hander. He leaves Moniak in and he pops up. Now, in fairness to Moniak and Thompson, you know, uh, Schwaber does hit a home run in the seventh to tie the game at three. So the Phillies have a chance to win. But a lot of focus on uh, on Moniak last night and, and particularly that at bat in the sixth inning. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there was a lot of people saying, why not Veerling in that situation? And the flip side was, hey, let's try to give Moniak a little bit of confidence here. But, I mean, realistically, Mike, if he's not the number one overall pick in the draft, I, is he getting it? I'm not saying he's been given a lot of opportunity, but, like, yes, he's been given a lot of opportunity. The problem is when he gets an opportunity, he fails so miserably that they don't want to go back to them, him, but they keep bringing him back because they just don't have any other options. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, you almost have to uh, come to some sort of mindset, meet some sort of mindset right now that, that, you know, you have to almost put aside that he is never going to be what everybody envisioned the number one pick, overall pick of that draft being and sort of judge him for what he is right now. And he is a good defensive outfielder. However, he has not proven that he can hit the ball on the big league level at all in, in the three or four opportunities that he has had to, to play here. Now, having said that, I still think, and even if you look at last night's game, it's still on guys like Castellanos and Real Muto to step up and sort of make up for Harper's absence. You know, last night, Schwaber hits that home run. It's 3-3 to seventh inning. The place is going crazy. You know, Hoskins bounces out. Uh, Castellanos strikes out, and Real Muto strikes out. And, you know, uh, there goes the momentum. And, and a few minutes later, the game went also. So, uh he, Moniac is an issue, but he's not the main issue. Agree. Uh, and let's get your thoughts on what's going on with Cassianos. This guy hit over 300 last year, had 30 homers, over 100 RBI. Why is he struggling so badly right now? It's, it's a good question. Uh, you know, he had told us a couple of weeks ago that he just does not feel comfortable at the plate all season long. He hasn't felt good. There was some hope that the four hits that he got against the Padres on Sunday, even though a couple of them were off the bat, you know, uh, Thompson managed, uh, mentioned yesterday uh, that, you know, sometimes that'll get a guy going, right? A, a single ground ball single, a hit off the end of the bat, a boot to falls will get a guy going. They had hoped that Sunday uh, his four hits on Sunday would get him going. That was not the case on, uh, you know, last night, 0 for 4, I think, with two strikeouts. And, and he's got his career low slugging percentage right now. So definitely not what they paid $20 million for. Yeah. Um, and obviously, uh, he's been struggling along and, um, they're key. He's got a, he's a guy that I think is very key. If he, if he is what he is right now, you're in trouble. But if he gets to it now, I don't think I'm asking you to hit 300 with 30 homers. I think that's kind of a pie in the sky at this point, right? But um, if he can get himself back up to, I don't know, 255, somewhere in that range, it probably means he got pretty hot. 
Yeah, exactly. If he can get back, you know, the old thing is they always get back to what the back of their baseball card says at the end of the season. Well, I think he's had such a bad first three months that he's not going to get back to what you would consider a usual Nick Castellanos year. But if he can get back to close to that, he's going to have to get pretty hot in July, August, and September. And and that's going to be the key, you know, if and when Harper comes back. It's guys like Castellanos, Rio Muto, and even the youngsters, Stott and Bohm, who have had their moments this season, but are basically performing under league average these guys have to step it up and uh you know in harper's absence you know the phillies are still built to slug their way to victory uh they still have the talent to do that but they need guys to step up and perform like they were projected to at the start of the season um let's uh they lose the game last night with zach wheeler on the mound so that's kind of a gut punch right there uh now you go to suarez but i want to get your thoughts on the efflin injury and what that means for this rotation is that you know they have not had any problems in the starting rotation all year, really. Uh, but can they sustain losing a guy? You're going to go to Bailey, Falter, Suarez tonight, Nola tomorrow, uh, but you're not going to get Eflin in that first game against St. Louis. You're going to get Bailey, Falter there. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of wrote in, in a story I have in, in the paper today and and uh, online at pressofac.com. You know, I'm worried about the Eflin injury just as much as the Harper injury. I think with Harper, you can see possible solutions. Right, you can say if Castellano starts hitting, if Riamuto starts hitting, if Bohm, you know, ups his game, if Stott hits like he's projected, there are possible answers there. You know, Zach Eflin out of this rotation, they don't have a lot of starting pitching depth, and I don't know anybody who's really anxious to see Bailey Falter face Paul Goldschmidt on Friday night. So, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I, I think that's a potential problem, and we'll see how long Eflin's out. I mean, yesterday in talking to him in the clubhouse, he seemed to give the indication that he didn't think he would be much of a, you know, he would miss much time at all. But, you know, we've had that indication with him in the past where he's kind of told us is everything's okay and, and he turns out to have an extended absence. And, you know, Rob Thompson, the manager, said he couldn't really put a timetable on when we'd see Eflin again on the mound. So, you know, Harper's obviously a big injury. That's the overriding concern. But no less important in my mind is the injury to Eflin and what that does to the starting rotation. Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City. We anticipate, uh, let's go to the Sixers. Uh, we anticipate Harden. Uh, has to make his decision today by 5 o'clock, opting in, opting out. There's been kind of reports going back and forth. It sounds as if he might opt out of the deal um, and then sign with the Sixers here. So um, there's been so many NBA rumors, Mike. Do you think a curveball could be coming today? No, I, I would expect Harden. And now maybe I give it the kiss of death right here. But I would expect Harden, whether, whether, whether he opts in or opts out, to be playing for the Philadelphia 76ers next season. To me, it's just a matter of does he opt in and take the $47 million, or does he opt out and sign a longer-term deal with the 76ers? But I expect him to be on the Philadelphia 76ers absolutely next season. And you consider what the Sixers uh, you know, gave up for him. We've talked about this before. As disappointing as Harden was in the postseason, you can't give up what you gave for him and let him walk away with nothing in return. So I expect him to fully be on the Philadelphia 76ers. Whatever route he takes, when the ball is thrown up opening night next year, you know, Harden will be on the floor for the Philadelphia 76ers, I believe. Yeah, I think we all agree there. And then, you know, it seems that the whole purpose behind this, I don't, and, and I'll ask you, Mike, do you believe this? Do you believe him that he will take less so that the Sixers can do more? 
Well, that's what he told us, and and obviously that would be a big help if he could take a deal like Chris Paul took with the Phoenix Suns in much the same situation uh, a year or so ago that really helped out the Phoenix Suns and helped them make a run. Obviously, if Harden were able to do that, that would, uh, you know, uh, aid the Sixers greatly because, let's face facts, Joel Embiid's clock is ticking and James Harden's clock is ticking even faster. He doesn't have four or five years to wait. You know, uh, they are a win-now team and whatever he can do to win now. Now, at the same time, he's going to be making plenty of money. So, you know, uh, if he takes a few million dollars less here or there or uh, spreads it out over a couple of years, uh, no one's going to be throwing any uh, banquets for him. But uh, if he does do that, he told us he was willing to do it after the loss to Miami. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, if he lives up to that right now. All right. Uh, NBA free agency starts tomorrow. Knicks look like they're going to sign Jalen Brunson, 110 million. Is that going to fix the franchise? It's not going to fix the franchise to me. It's, it's a very, he, look, he's a nice player, right? And Jalen's a guy who even has ties to our area. I think he owns a home somewhere, maybe even Ocean City. I know in, he's trained in the offseason in high school gyms, Holy Spirit, Ocean City, Middle Township he's trained in. His dad, obviously, was the coach of Camden, so he's a guy who's kind of connected to our area. I think he's a very, very good player. I think he's a player on the rise. He was the second-best player on the Dallas Mavericks team that played in the conference final. The question a lot of Knicks fans are asking is, the Knicks are paying him like a superstar, and he's not a superstar, so what's the plan? You know, I think if you add Brunson and you combine him uh, with uh, some of the talent that the Knicks have already on the roster, I think the Knicks are an improved team. But are they better than the, the Brooklyn Nets with Durant and Irving? No. Are they better than the Sixers? No. Are they better than the Milwaukee Bucks? No. Are they better than the Boston Celtics? No. Are they better than the Miami Heat? No. So I think Brunson makes you a better team, but it only makes you the sixth or seventh best team in the East. So where do you go from here once you get him? I think that's a question a lot of Knicks fans would like to have right. answered. Mike McGarrell back on Friday. What's must win this week? Uh, maybe we we'll take a look at the Phillies and the kind of injuries that they've had this season, and, and maybe ways that they can uh, overcome them and, and see how they're, uh, you know, see if they can make a run here at getting back in the postseason for the first time since 2011. So maybe you know how they can uh, sort of navigate the loss of Harper and, and Eflin and, and try to give us uh, maybe full baseball for the first time in what 11 years. We all need it, man. Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City. Check out his work over at PressofAC.com. He's back on Friday as the Phillies. Try to wrap up the series uh, on Wednesday with the Braves, and then they start an important one with the Cardinals. We'll be all over that. Thank you, Mike. All right, Mike. See you down the road. Thanks. Uh, Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City here on the Sports Bash. Next hour, what does Woj have to say about James Harden? You'll hear the latest there. Plus, I'll tell you why I'm a fan of the Sixers rumor that's out there, and it has nothing to do with a player. And something an Eagle said that makes me think of the Dream Team comment. Coming up. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, Sports Bash Hour 2, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Download the app on the Apple Store, Google Play, or go to 973ESPN.com slash app. Get the app, take us to the beach, the boardwalk, your bike ride, wherever you may go. The Sports Bash can come with you. 
and the app is giving away prizes. Last week, I gave away a grill. This week, I got Ramstein tickets, Lincoln Financial Field, August 31st. I'll announce the winning name on Friday's edition of Happy Hour Friday. And if I call your name, you're going to see Ramstein this summer at the link. Ryan Rothstein is the host of the Philadelphia City Cast. You can download that wherever you get your podcast. And, of course, uh, we hang out on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays here in the 3 o'clock hour. we got a lot to discuss today, a whole bunch of topics that we're going to get into. Um, I don't know where we want to start. we got a lot of things that are very intriguing that are on my mind, including the Dream Team. we got another Dream Team comment coming from the Eagles today. Uh, Miles Sanders going Dream Team on us, man. Yeah, no one goes full Dream Team. Unless they're Vince Young. Right? Shades no. of Vince Young today. A comment from um, uh, Miles Sanders who said, quote, We feel like we're an all-star team. We feel unstoppable. That was what Miles Sanders said today. Oh, no. The vibes are already shooting down on that. Dude, of course it's Miles freaking Sanders that said it, too. It's just something about that dude. Something about his face. You know, he's doing a great job, but something about his damn face. Well, it's funny. On the same day he was on the John Clark Takeoff podcast, he says he, he, says he wants to be the Walter Payton Man of the Year. Uh, on the same day, he comes out and says, well, I, I think we're uh, – it might have been from the same interview. I, I don't know where that interview was. Uh, was uh, Wait, he said – he wants to be the the man of the year? He, he wants to get to win the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, which, you know, have you ever seen some of the NFL jerseys? They have the little Walter Payton on the, yeah. uh, the jersey. It's the Each team has a, has a Walter Payton Man of the Year, and then they, no, have, the, they have the actual yeah. overall Walter Payton Man of the Year. I don't, I don't love that. I know what the award is, but that's an award that – it's not like an MVP award. Well, he or said like, he'd rather win the man of the year over any football accolade. Yeah, but I, I, okay. I mean, I get it. To me, the initial reaction for me is like videotaping yourself giving a homeless man $5. Like, <laughs> hey, look at me helping out a homeless guy. Well, maybe it's he like, just do the good deed. Maybe he generally, <laughs> well, maybe he generally wants to be recognized for his good deed. You know what I mean? I mean, it's an That's admirable possible. thing to wish for. But and then in the same breath you're like, well, and and oh by the way, we're an all star team. <laughs> yeah, I'm a great dude, and you know we're the best team ever assembled. Let's just keep it real. Right. Well, <laughs> I don't. I want to be a nice. I want to be recognized for my efforts, but I'm also not very humble. <laughs> right. Uh, it's it's a it's a bold strategy there. He's dancing on a fine line. Uh, like, why would you say that? You know. I don't know. I mean, this is that thing where, and look. When guys don't say stuff, you're like, well, they're not going to say anything. And then they say something. It's like, why would you say that? We're in that time of the year where who knows why. This is like, you know, the whole Draymond Green with the new media. These guys are just, I don't know. Where, where did he, where was, I saw his interview with John Clark. Where, I don't know where he made the all-star comments. Yeah, you know what? I just saw it right before I hopped on with you. I said it to you. I saw, you know, WIP shared. I, I don't, I don't know where. I think it was the John Clark. I didn't listen to it yet, though. Okay, yeah, it may have been from that uh, podcast that he did. I mean, you know, you're in the middle of the summer. You're just kind of killing time. And here, I hey, it. I land Miles Sanders, and he says that, and you're like, ooh. Hopefully, see, the the hopefully it's far away enough from training camp that it's not brought back up. Vince, Car- uh, Vince Carter, Vince Young was like, 
remember that was the year of the lockout and they signed all those guys like as training camp was starting so it was like right like back to back with it maybe this will just kind of fizzle away I, I mean i haven't you know seen it get a lot of traction yet yeah and maybe it won't i, I hope it i hope it does it because it's just a corny thing to say in all honesty it's it's a corny thing to say like say you have confidence like you know what team looks good we have a lot of work to do i'm going to be we're, we're confident we can win every game that we we step onto the field for you don't say we're an all-star team it's like okay bro right. come on we have a bunch of pro bowlers yeah it's just like stupid yeah um i want to get to so the sixers have been rumored it's been all over the place this rumor that they're going to bring back the iverson era jersey now what's your thoughts on that I love it. I I love it. I've been I've been asking for this jersey to come back for probably five or six years now. Um, for, for me and anyone in this age bracket, I guess you know I don't know that jersey is special. I you know that that Iverson era, especially 01, That's a special year, and and that's just such a cool logo and style. Obviously, from where they changed it up to to what it looks like today, that I think that's a perfect uh, you know alternate jersey to incorporate. Here's what I'll say. Now, I'm 45 years old, so that jersey was – I was in college for that jersey, okay? Okay. So I had the Barkley years before that where they had, like, that maroonish color. Yeah. Remember that? Yes. So, I mean, I don't, but I know what you're right. talking They had, about. like, yeah. a maroonish color, and then they went to those awful Sean Bradley-era jerseys with, like – the cray it looked like some kid's crayon just rode all over the front of them. They were so bad. Clarence Weatherspoon was on the team at that point. And then they went from them. Do you know which ones I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. It looked I, like the I, stars I that the went ones. across the front. The stars? It looked like they had stars shooting out of their hip that went across the front of their jersey. They were horrible. Yeah, yeah, I didn't like those. But they had similar ones to that just more of an OG version, right? Like, wasn't that 80s, early 90s before they went to that, like, part two version? Or am I am I wrong with that? Hold on a second. I'll show you the jersey that I'm talking about. Sean Bradley, famously, you know, he wore that jersey when he played for the Sixers. And it was just a terrible jersey. I'll pull it up on the video screen for you so you'll be able to see it. But they and, – and it's just the worst professional – uniform you've ever seen in your life it's just so bad so you're not a fan of it <laughs> no i'm not uh if they brought these back like what would you think if these were the the actual um these were the huh. hold on a second that's the wrong what am i doing the fireworks for sale what do we got here yeah uh i shared the wrong screen i'm sorry <laughs> the so it says okay. philadelphia on it right and then sixers and then it has stars like Again, like it looks like the stars are coming from the the, the guy's hip. Uh, there we go. This I kind of like them. I think I know what you're talking about. This one. See the one, Sean? Yeah. Brown? You like those? Yeah, I think I do, man. They've got That's be. the same one, right? Can uh, you see that? Uh, Whatever. It's the same one. I'm yeah, pretty yeah, sure. yeah. That, you're, you're holding up the one. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, I mean, it has the Barkley 34 champion. I think that's a fresh, uh, you know, summer summer jersey. Here was the red version. Order. There's the red version. The red's ugly. Yeah, they're horrible. The red's horrendous. Yeah, yes. and then they went to these where they were like, they tried to like have a more traditional look. They were like red. 
they, they I remember did, those. Iverson played in those. Yeah, Iverson had those his rookie season, and yeah. then they went to the black. Now, this is what I'll say about I didn't wasn't like a huge like fan of the black, but I didn't hate them. You know, you're in the '90s, and like everybody was trying to like do something with the black colored uniform to try to like drive up apparel sales and stuff. You know? Here's, yeah, I, I mean, here's my reasoning can... on the on on the on the Iverson era black uniforms that I would be okay with. I feel like so, the Sixers have yeah. swung and missed miserably. On every alternate uniform except for the Spectrum ones. I like the Spectrum ones. I, I no, I said those are the much ones. History to them, so you they're can't go only, wrong with. They're that. the That's... only ones that I actually was like, those are cool. They're hot. The Boathouse ones, I, they didn't do anything for me. They grew on me, but I'm with you overall. Okay, I'm with you. The Jimmy Butler gray with the stars in the circle. Didn't hate it. Oh, they were horrible. Horrible? They just had Dude. a circle of stars on the front. <laughs> 09 to 2015, those were the worst jerseys ever. You're going to have to show me. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard. You can pull it up probably quicker than I can show you. Yeah, I see it. Oh, yeah, they yeah. were terrible. Yeah, they, th- that was the, the down years. They were, they were terrible. The, they were the Iguodala years. Yeah, they they had no character to them at all. The, like they were No, just, just like the team. Yeah, just... Just bland red, nothing to them. They were terrible. Now, the other Sixers ones, like the white ones with the filla, uh, they, I don't like the font. The red ones, I hate. I hate those red ones. <laughs> the blue with the filla, uh, they're okay. They're just okay. They're yeah. safe. All I like of the- them. All of them, I feel like they tried to be, like, really cool, and they just weren't cool. So if you said because all of the tri- attempts that they've made have been blah, if you gave me the Iverson ones, I would be like, okay, at least they're like, you know, acceptable. I like the Phila red, white, and blue. Those aren't bad. I like those. They're okay. They're the best of the Phillas. Yes. <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah. They're number one in the Phila rankings. Yes. yes. The red is definitely last. What um, I'm curious if we get any listener traction from this. Like, what is the most popular or favorite? Not even just Sixers jersey. I mean, if we want to think of you know Phillies, Flyers, and Eagles, yep. what's what's our number ones? Um, that's a good question. What is the number one favorite? Now, I think the Kelly Greens would probably win that, don't you think? They're oh, almost. By the way, this was another Sixer jersey. That I could not get behind. It was the, um, I'll pull it up on the screen for you. It was the while one you're, that while had, you're, okay. While yeah. you're pulling it up, the Kelly Greens are almost so popular that I don't like them. I always contend I don't need the Kelly Greens. I want the white helmet with the Kelly Green wings. That's the one that no one ever brings up, but that's the one that I want. The white helmet would be the one that I would want to see them bring back. Do you remember these Sixer jerseys? They didn't make too many. Yeah. Uh, they didn't make too many uh, appearances. No, the that one, looks like a crayon. Right, the one that said Sixers, and then they wrote seventy at the top with the same S, like connected, and then the one below it. 
this one. Like, this was another one that, like, I feel like they tried hard, and then they just... Eh, just Looks like the Phillies creams. Yeah, I hate those, too. Yeah. What about these guys? Remember the, those ones that Igadala has on the red with the filla, and then out no. of the filla had, like, a basketball tail? Yeah, no, it's that's that's so bad. I mean, in so many ways. Here's my thinking. Any jersey that Ben Simmons and Spencer Halls ever wore, burn. <laughs> this one. The one that – how many times did they wear – like they had the Liberty Bell with the number through the bell. Remember that one? Yeah, and look, the numbers are like bigger than the bell. It looks like I, I made it on paint. These ones. These were my least favorite. The gray with the stars. I think that was supposed to be like some sort of like – were they supposed to be something like Rocky? Yeah. They were the city edition for that year. The NBA rolled out the city editions for, you know, a lot of teams, and that was the Sixers that one season. Yeah, I, I didn't like those either. I, the one, the only one that I seem to really like is it's the Spectrum ones, which is funny because um, it doesn't actually incorporate the Sixers colors. Right. You know, you've got orange and green in there. I – uh I think it would be cool to see Joel Embiid rocking those 01 blacks. Somebody texted in, what about the snake jersey? That was the Philly Unite one, right? Yeah, well, we were talking about this the other day where hopefully the whole snake thing, they bring that back for the playoffs. I don't like it. The snake with the Philly Unite, it's like, eh, okay. They need to update their, uh, if anyone's listening from the PR department, they need to update their hashtag. The Philly Unite you're done with? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's time. They're hard to find. Every team now has like a, you know, the hashtag that brings up their logo. I like that. I hate the teams that don't have one of those. Right. Yeah, now, I, I feel, feel like, like the Philly Sixers, Unite needs to be updated. I feel like the Sixers didn't have the hashtag during the regular season, and then they kind of brought it back for the playoffs. No, well. That that's what I thought for the longest time. But if you if you hashtagged Philly United at any point during the regular season, the logo actually still popped up, but they didn't like advertise it. Got it was it. weird. Yeah. The Philly United, what was it before? Like here uh Here they come. Here they come. Was that one of them? Yep. Yeah. I see What was what was the Croce saying? How you doing? Was that a was that a hashtag? Uh, no, I mean it was before Twitter. That I'm talking like oh two, oh three. Yeah, so what is the deal with these Iverson jerseys? There's been, like, some talk about them bringing them back. When would that be for? This season, this upcoming season. It oh, would be really? in their rotation, I guess. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I'm okay with them bringing them back for the reasons I outlined because I think they have just not – none of the jerseys that they have put out there other than the Spectrum ones have really pushed my pile. Yeah, I would agree. I not would that like they're to marketing see some more to a creativity. 40, not that they're marketing to a 46-year-old man who's slightly or somewhat out of shape, you know. <laughs> that, no, that's not their main demographic. Exactly. Right. But I'm just giving you my opinion. I think that you could do better. There's better in you out there, Sixer guy. I Listen, I agree with you. I think they can get creative and not just go back in time, but let's go forward in who, time. Right. Mike. Who designs them? Is it Nike or is it the Sixers? Do they tell them what they want, this is what we're looking for, or does Nike draw them up and just say, hey, this is what we did for you? I hope that's not it. I'm, I'm sure the Sixers have some say. I would think so. Now, what do you yeah. think of the uh, if they rocked like something like the old um, Wilt jerseys? 
Uh, that's cool. I don't hate that. I feel like but... they've tried to like get close to those with the filler, but they just haven't hit on them. See, those are fresh, like even dating that far back, but it doesn't have direct like relevance with the current fan base. Like the fan base now, when you go back just 20 years, it's everyone can get on board with those. So that's why I think it's a good call. Yeah, that's it's cool, but it's so dated. It is. Well, we'll see how what they end up uh, doing with that. Now, I have some... Um, so, Woj has been talking about this whole James Harden thing uh, all day, and he has to make a decision by 5 o'clock. Is it ominous to you that he hasn't made a decision by the time we're talking already? It's a good question. Uh, I don't think so. I'm going to be positive here and optimistic. I, I just think it's something that will get announced at 5 o'clock, right? They're not going to go out of their way to, to well, push Well, you have that. guys like... Kyrie and and Russell Westbrook who've already jumped back in. That's all. Yes. Well, Westbrook was a no-brainer. Yeah. I mean, that's highway that. robbery. Uh this is what Woj said the scenarios are for the Sixers and Harden. James Harden, you know, listen, they've had some they've talked significantly about this in Philly. He has told them he wants to win, he's committed to winning, and I think there's a playbook here now for the Sixers and James Harden to work together and find a way to get James Harden a new deal in Philly and improve that roster. Does that give us like a newfound level of respect for Harden that he's like, hey, I don't want $47 million, I'll take less so that we can make the team better? Or is this, I mean, because obviously there's another motive here, and we'll play that in a minute. Yeah, I, I think there has to be, right? Because it, it would be said if the opposite was happening, if, if Harden was just taking the money, to your point, don't you think that would be discussed? We would be discussing it. It would be a thing with fans. Oh, you know, he's locking us up, this and that. He's going out of his way to say, no, let's let's figure this out here. So this is what Wode says the best case scenario for the Sixers are concerning this Harden situation. And, you know, there is a couple scenarios here, but this is the best case. In a perfect world for the Sixers, and, and I think in James Harden's mind, Opting out of that deal and then negotiating a new contract here when free agency opens, it gives the Sixers a lot more financial flexibility to go and improve this team in the offseason. He can still get long-term guaranteed money or certainly guaranteed money at a very high number over a couple of years by opting out, and it gives the Sixers the ability uh, to add to their roster. They know they've got to get better. So he says the best is for him to opt out and then work on a new deal. Now, if he opts out, there is the possibility that somebody could offer him a deal, and he could say, that eh, I'm taking that deal, but I don't know that anybody envisions that happening. Now, let me ask your opinion on this, and let me know here if I'm overthinking this. Does James Harden renegotiating, right, not taking that $47 million, that is surprising to me, and saying, I'll work it out to where... I'm still happy, but I'm taking less and giving you room. Does that mean there's something on the table behind the scenes? Like, if I'm Harden's agent, I'm saying he'll take less, but for what? Right? Like, he's not going to take less, and then you roll out the same team as last year. Right? If he's taking less, what are you doing to help his championship odds increase? Yeah, how much right? say does he have? you think that's a conversation? How much say does he have, right? Harden? Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, what you're saying, I guess the question comes is, how much say are you giving my client to, you know, 
hey, my client wants P.J. Tucker. Can you make that happen? He'll take less if you go get his buddy. Yeah, I was thinking bigger, though. I was thinking, you know, if he takes less, are you getting Bradley Beal? Are you getting KD? Well, how are much you getting less? Kyrie? How much less? He's not signing for $6 million. Yeah, I, I mean, well, this is how less Woj, enough to, to where you trade Tobias. This is how Woj kind of, well, that's another whole story, which we can certainly get into. This is what Woj said the motive could be behind him opting out of $47 million. The uh, $47 million number he has, if he opts in at that number, it's guaranteed. He could extend off that. But by opting out, then, he can do multi-years in a new deal that guarantees him much more than his money this year. Uh, so, listen, I, at the end of the day, I think James Harden's going to be in Philly. He's going to be there on a new deal. And Philly is, is perhaps going to have the opportunity then to do some things here in free agency, make some moves that can improve a team that needs to get better in the East to compete for a championship. So the motive is I'll take less now, but I'll really make more. Yeah, no, I think that's smart. That's a smart business uh, decision, and it's good for the Sixers. So that's just, uh, you know, a win for everyone, which is rare. Right. I love it. Like he says, I can make $47 million this year. But if I take if I opt out of that, I can really end up making another ninety million. But yeah. realistically, wouldn't you think if I made forty seven million dollars this year, I could still get another deal where I'm gonna get minimum what, twenty million a year? Yeah, but I you know, I guess he's under the right mindset of I'm at the end of my career, I'm playing alongside Embiid, who this is where I want it to be. We have an opportunity to get better. Uh, so let me go grab $90 million. That's still pretty damn good uh, and help the team. Yeah. Uh, all right. On the other side, Bobby Marks brought up some interesting points on the contract situation as well. And who knows? By the time we come back, maybe James Harden will have made his decision. We'll have that and more, plus some Philly stuff on the way. And you asked an interesting, you had an interesting tweet last night. I want to get into that as well uh, regarding pitchers, batting. We'll talk about that and more. Ryan Rossi is the host of the Philadelphia CityCast. You can get that Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify. Download it five days a week at WiseRye on Twitter. This is the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Now, back to Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 South Jersey's sports leader. 329 Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN. I'm Mike Gill. Ryan Rothstein's the host of the Philadelphia City Cast. You can download it five days a week wherever you get your podcast. Um, we got a lot tonight. Phillies lost last night. You tweeted something about you miss the pitcher hitting and coming up with that big hit in a situation, you know, the uh, the, the charm of the hit, the pitcher hitting, to which I contend you still have Moniac in the lineup, so you get basically the equivalent of a pitcher hitting some nights, including tonight, by the way. The lineup is out. Uh, Schwarber, Hoskins, Castellanos, Derek Hall is up. He's hitting fourth. He's the DH. Real Muto, DD, Bohm, Stott. And uh, batting ninth in pitcher is uh, Moniac. Now he's playing center field. Suarez is pitching. So you got Hall hitting fourth, Moniac hitting ninth tonight. But I, yes, I miss, I miss the pitcher hitting. I want to get into that 
with you in a second, but quick funny story. I saw a couple of my buddies. They were like, uh, yeah, I know you're not on with Gil on Tuesdays. We were cracking up. They were like, man, that guy really doesn't like Mickey Moniak, huh? <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, what do you mean? I guess I missed a rant of yours yesterday. And then obviously I, I was able to tune in a little bit in the first hour. And I was just laughing because, uh, you know, I got to hear a little bit of your Oh, you know, your love say, for if, Mickey Moniak. If you didn't hear me yesterday and you got me today, you would really think I don't like the poor kid. What do you mean? Oh, if I did listen? No, if yesterday? you missed me yesterday, but you got me today, you would really think I don't. Because today I think I was worse. Oh, really? I wasn't quite as hard on him yesterday as I was today. <laughs> I thought that I don't like the kid. He just stinks. Back, he stinks. He's not doing great. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> He's not doing great. Okay. <laughs> He's No, he stinks right now, but. Yeah, I mean, to your point, I I do agree with there has to be another guy somewhere hanging around in the low-life minors. You know? I got a guy hitting on my 13-year-old team, all right? <laughs> uh, I'm sure you do. Yeah, um, yeah I, what do they do, though, you know? I get it. Look, and I, and I said I feel bad for the kid because he doesn't deserve the shot. They're only giving it to him for the reason that he was the number one pick. And, quite frankly... Coupled with, he's the number one overall pick, so they're trying to save face on that, and they don't have anybody else. They just don't have another option. So it's like somebody, but like tonight, like Josh said, why is Moniac playing instead of Herrera? Are they ruining him? I think they already have. They okay. called him up too early. He didn't deserve the opportunity. They called him up. He wasn't ready. He looked like he saw a ghost last year. I feel bad for him. He broke his hand. Maybe that would, but... I, I still don't think he can hit, man. He just can't play. <laughs> so you think you think he's a lost cause? Oh, I've said that from Jump Street. The kid has no shot. There's no saving him. No. So the Phillies, I mean, if you feel that way, then the Phillies didn't mess it up. You just believe he doesn't have an ounce of talent in his body. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just keep it real. Well... <laughs> Uh, he might have talent. I don't know. You're just, saying he's the worst baseball player you've ever watched is what you're saying. I mean, could he come in and hit in the South Jersey, South Jersey baseball, South Shore Baseball League? Sure. <laughs> I mean, he's actually hitting uh, that, a triple That's a. extinct now. <laughs> no, that's the, the ACBL. ACBL. This yeah. is the, the new league that took over for that league. Yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right. But can he hit in that league? Sure. He'd be a stud. He'd lead the Summers Point captains to a title. But can he hit at the major league level? No. I do feel bad for him. Like, I feel like he was put into a situation he wasn't ready for, coupled with the fact that he was the number one overall pick in a town that is, like, dying for a draft pick of that magnitude to work out. He's turned into worse than Nolan Patrick, for God's sakes. Yeah, I've heard that discussion a few times. I've heard that comparison, I should say, a, a few times. It's funny you bring that up. It's... uh. And it's just, it's just another example of the Phillies screwing up, right? I mean, with, with young talent. I, I Look, I hate to be like, I hate to crush you in the baseball draft because it's such a, the baseball draft is just such a crapshoot. And in that draft. Every draft is. Yes, but like in that draft, there was not a player that you were like, hey, this is the guy. How did you not take him? And the Major League Baseball draft of all the drafts, a lot of it's on signability. Like, can I sign this guy? Will he want to play for my team? Like, 
that has to go away, too. It's like, you drafted this guy, you got to take him. No, I can't sign this guy, so I'll pick uh, some other schlep rock. Uh, I'll, I'll admit something here live on the air. I don't fully understand the Major League Baseball draft. I think it's so dumb. What are you missing? I mean, guys can get signed, and then, like, to your point, some teams don't sign them because they have the the power to, like, there's just so many, there's so many uh, X factors involved. Like, well, the whole where fact, that's not the case in basketball and football. The whole fact that you can draft high school players, and then the high school player can be like, no, I want to go to college. Thanks for drafting me. Right, and then another team can draft them. Well, if yes, if you get drafted by that team and decide not to sign with them, you can re-enter the draft, right? So you get guys right. who get drafted out of high school, decide not to go, but then you can't get drafted until two more years of college. I mean, I think that's something that's not talked about enough. Well, yeah, I mean, Moniak was a high school player, so they drafted him out of high school in 2016. So you figure in 2016 he was playing high school baseball. How the hell? Like, I contend this all the time. Like, how do you know what a player at 18-year-old is going to like? Many of these guys, you hit your peak at 18 and you just kind of fizzle out. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You I don't mean, even love playing anymore. Like, how many guys? I see this so many times with kids, okay? They play so much baseball so much baseball that by the time their high school career gets to the end, they're actually, like, relieved that they have a life now. Like, I'm I not know. traveling all over the place, staying in some random town to play in some meaningless tournament. Like, I actually have my life back. Like, there was a kid I saw the other day, and I'm like, man, this kid, all he's done is just travel to tournaments, travel to tournaments, travel. and then it's almost like he was like, it's over. I don't have to do this. I can just kind of be like a kid now. I Listen, I agree. With, I mean, even when I played, and it's night and day now, like kids now, to your point, there's so many travel teams in BS that it takes the fun away from it. Like people, kids I went to high school with that had like chances to play D3 or, you know, low level. They're like, yeah, yeah, right. I want to go party and have fun. Like I, I've been playing so much freaking baseball. Well, right. It's ridiculous. And that's an interesting point is you get to the point where you've played on all of these teams and played in all of these tournaments and just spent so much effort and time, you're almost deflated by the fact that I put all this time and effort into doing something, and I'm not ripping the D3s or anything, but that all that's looking at me as a D3 school, like I did all of this work throughout all my childhood, and the best I can get is a D3 offer. Well, yeah, and even I'll take it one further. Like, a couple people I know, they didn't care. Like, they, ah, D3 offer, so what? I'm excited to not play anymore mm -hmm. right? because they just, they're burnt out. Yeah. It's, the whole system is flawed. Yeah, and that's why I don't know that Moniac loves playing. I don't know that he's a guy that absolutely was like, Fair. I want to be the number one overall pick, and this is what my life, I want my life to be. I think he kind of got drafted into a life he didn't really want. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and if you're if you're an organization, if you're the Phillies, and you're going to talk with that kid, emphasis on kid, right? You, you're not able to tell if it's his life or not. I mean, 17 years old, he's going to be awkward. He's going to be a little quiet. He's going to say all the right things. Yes, sir. Yep, love the play. You know, but you don't know that for sure. Like that's such a gamble. To your points, yeah, I I think you know. 
that's something where, you know, and I think you and I have a little different view on the NBA draft and high school players. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think high school players should be able to go to the draft. And it's just more because I don't think they're ready for that life. I don't think they're mature enough to handle that lifestyle. I think some of them can play. Some of them can play. Not many, but some. Yeah. LeBron James, Kobe Bryant. There's not many of those guys that exist. But, yes. But for those few exceptions, they could have played college basketball for two years. Could have played for four years. I mean, three, right? It's, uh, you know, I disagree. I agree with you when you say... They're not ready for that lifestyle. They can't handle it. I agree. But I do not think that should be a reason that you don't allow high school players to come out. Like, listen, if if some NBA team wants to pick a 17-year-old kid uh, coming from nothing and give him a, a Brinks truck, I, I can't fault the kid for, for saying no, yes No, I to can't that. fault it either if the rule says you can. My point is the NBA should just say the rule is you can't. Like, protect the kid from himself. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, it's fair. I think it's fair. I, I think a, a better way to do it, not a better way, just my, my look on it, is you can go out of high school. If you don't go out of high school, I am I, on board with making kids stay in college for more than one year. I, I would like to see that. Well, you can almost do it like baseball does. If you're good enough to get drafted out of high school, you, you can. But if you don't, then you have to stay two years. Yeah, I think, I think a minimum is, uh, two years should be a minimum for college basketball. Right, I and I also that. think now with the NIL, if you because there's a lot of these kids now that enter the draft. I mean, there's like 500 kids who enter the draft. There's only 60 draft spots. Yeah, if you don't get drafted, you should be able to go back to college. Yeah, I, I, I do. Yeah, I agree with that. You shouldn't penalize someone for trying. Right. Like, but like, for instance, in our area, you had Mutz from St. Augustine. He entered the draft process, and so did Osuno Sunie from St. Bonaventure. He actually ended up transferring to where did he go? Do you know? I know. Osuno went to, it was a pretty big school, actually. Um, It'll come to me. He left St. Bonaventure. He entered the draft portal to see where he was going to be drafted, I guess. And he decided where? Oh, soon went to Iowa State. Okay. So he left St. Bonaventure. He decided to enter the draft process. They basically told him, I guess, you know, hey, you probably won't get drafted. So he ends up going to Iowa State. Mutz did the same thing. Now he's returning to Virginia Tech. But if they decided to go through the draft process and then someone said, hey, you might get drafted in the second round, so they decide, okay, I'm going to stay, and then they don't get drafted, they should still be able to go back to school if they choose and play. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. But, yeah. I'm on board with it. I was going to say there's also a little bit of a, a gamble to that from their from the player perspective. But bottom line, I'm on board. You should not penalize them for saying, all right, let me try and make it and see if I get picked in the second round. And if they don't, yeah, you shouldn't ruin the rest of their tra- uh, you know trajectory 
just because they made that that you know risk, I guess. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. But the Moniac thing, you know, you asked about pitchers. Do I miss them hitting? I don't miss. I never like pitchers hitting. I miss the strategy involved. I am so bored watching an American League game. It is so boring. The game's boring enough. You give me a game that I can't like play along with. Like, hey, I want to play along with this game. It is so boring to watch a game with a DH. It's painful for me. Yeah, and it's uh, you know it's something that Cruck brought up on the broadcast last night, which caused me to tweet it. And I did think of you, you know, when I lit, when I heard him say that. Like, I think it was the sixth inning. They Wheeler went back out there, and Cruck said. You know, hey, if if the DH wasn't still going on right now, I think there would be a chance we wouldn't be seeing Wheeler right now. They would have ended up, you know, pinch hitting for him to try and you know get a you know get get a guy on base, driving a run, et cetera, whatever the exact situation was. And then he brought up, he asked uh, Wheels, I think he's like, "Have you talked to Zach about uh, you know wanting to get wanting to get the bat in his hands?" Because I bet a part of him still misses, uh, you know, stepping up to the to the batter's box. And I was like, you know what? I was always on board for the DH, but I do miss watching a starting pitcher drive in some runs to help his cause yeah. as a starting pitcher. I always love that, man. That's like the ultimate athlete thing to do. But it's, it is a demoralizing part of the game when you have two outs and there's a runner on second base and that pitcher just laces one the opposite way because he's so late on the ball. And yeah. it's like, oh, my God, the pitcher just got a hit. We had two outs. Like, get the pitcher out. I, that's a part of the game that is just lost. Look, and I always contended, most DHs can't hit. The Phillies are in a unique situation because Bryce Harper's there. But if Bryce Harper's playing every day, now they're in a situation where they have a bunch of DHs on this team. But you go into the nine hole right now, you got Mickey Moniak hitting ninth. Is he any better than the pitcher? And most teams have a Moniak-level player hitting in that spot. Yeah, no, it's fair. It's fair. It, it, you can make your argument now. Do you yeah. feel that there's any more offense infused into the National League game because the DH is there? I don't know. Honestly, it's tough to tell. Right? I'd well, like to see the numbers. Okay, all right. And if it's tough, if you're not noticing or if it's tough to tell, then I don't think it's making that much of an impact. The only thing it's helping is the Phillies because they had Harper that needed to hit in that role because he wouldn't have been able to play otherwise. Right. I mean, that's a, that's a huge deal. So for the Phillies, in regards to this particular situation this season, it's been life-saving, okay. quite literally. And with that, I'd still trade the DH for the non-DH. How about that? Yeah, I just don't miss, to your point, I don't miss watching pitchers go up and go up to bat, though. You know? So for that reason alone, I like it. I miss the occasional... This, you know, thinking part of the game, like, should I should I send my pitcher back up to bat? Should I pinch hit him? You know, I like that dynamic. I missed that part, but that was rare to me, in my opinion. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that I miss, and it's like, you know, that whole situation, like, hey, we're in the sixth, that spot in the order's coming up. And then when you get into, you know, it also is, it's more than just that decision. It's whose bench is deeper. Like, hey, this guy pinch yeah. hit. Now he's burned. Well, you know you're going to need another pinch hitter later on because now there's a bullpen guy in the game, and he's batting in the number three spot in the order, and, hey, you got to hit for that guy again. And it really becomes whose 25-man roster is better. That's something that I, lo that I like. Do this you is, feel – I mean, this is a stupid question to ask you, I think, but I'll ask it. Do you feel like Moniac should have been pinch, pinch hit for in that situation? <laughs> Yeah, of course. Obviously. 
Yeah. I mean, Moniak shouldn't even be in the lineup, for God's nah, sakes, yeah. let yeah. alone hit against a lefty. Right. Yeah. Feel bad for the kid. I want to put it out there that I don't dislike the, the man. Come on, man. It's all good. You know, we know you'd grab a beer with him. You just don't think he has an ounce of talent. Right. Well, <laughs> the one thing that, like, when he had a good spring, people were like, oh, my God. And then he hurt. He, he broke his wrist. And oddly, I broke that story, was, which was, like, bizarre. You know, like, so, like, I have inside information on Moniac, right? <laughs> um, and... He had this great spring, and people are like, oh, my God, this was the guy. Like, I can't believe we lost Moniac. And I'm like, really? Yeah. it's uh, Well, maybe we can cling to uh, hope of he's dealing with coming back from that injury. I don't know. I will say, I have suffered a broken wrist before, and it crippled my career as a hitter. It crippled it. When did you suffer that? When I was 15, I literally, I almost hit a home run pretty much every other time I was up to bat. After I broke my wrist. Right, excuse me. <laughs> after I broke my wrist, I was just a little slap hitter. Wow. I just could not generate, because I could not turn my Which wrist, wrist over. My left wrist. I just could Good not point. turn my wrist over to get any sort of power. And everything I hit was just like a little flare here and there. Like every once in a while, but just could not do it. Dave Hollins had the same injury, and he was – I mean, it just – a broken wrist is really tough, man. I do feel for the kid for that. Yeah, that's that's a damn shame if that's something he's going to be dealing with. If that's a, a future reality or a current reality as well, that's, that's sad. Yeah. Uh, all right, I got a question, a couple quick questions. We're going to do like a rapid-fire PTI style on the other side that we have a, a multitude of topics we still want to give opinions and thoughts on. Don't go away. This is fun. Uh, I have a question. Somebody just said something walking down the hallway that made me think of something that maybe I think all employers need to do. I'll share it with you coming up next. Now, Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. All right, 3.53. Let's uh, rip through a bunch of stuff. Ryan Rossi is the host of the Philadelphia CityCast. Make sure you download the podcast five days a week. Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. So I'm at work. I just went down to the uh, kitchen, like, in the last break to go grab my drink. And, you know, somebody's walking in the hallway. They're like, oh, I'm so bored. I have nothing to do. Which. Got nothing to do. Right? And I said to myself, you know, in any other situation, if you were just, like, bored, you'd just go home or do something different. Like, why do we just feel the need that the people have to sit here when they have nothing to do just because... Don't we live in, haven't you. we evolved enough to say, hey, you've done all your work, go home. Dude, that is the only positive that has come out of COVID for so many companies, right? It's like, all right, we get it. We're all adults here. Right. Do go I really get need your work done? Do I really need eight hours of my day to sit in no. misery? Just make no, me sit I, in misery. Like if it takes me five, it takes me five. Go home. Dude, like I everybody, like these corporations get so many things over on us. They feel like we're getting one over on us because I might leave six hours into my eight-hour boredom. I think it's a proven model that if you actually let people go home and let people work from home, yeah, they are more productive than keeping them jailed from 9 to 5 Monday to Friday. Guess what? My show would have been over last hour. All right? Sports Bash <laughs> Live, 97.3 ESPN. Uh, 
All right, one minute on the clock. Here we go. Uh, 500 play without Harper. Is that okay? I'll take it. I don't know if it's okay. I'll say no. Um, if they're what about you? Yes if they're no. 500 without Harper, I think they'll still be hanging around. Okay. As the Counting Crows once said. <laughs> uh, your best or favorite Philly uniform? Wow. Uh, man, I'll go with the 76ers 01s for lack of a better one, but that's always at the top regardless. What's yours? Uh, I'm probably going to go gray Phillies. Okay. I like the road fills. I'm not a big fan of the pinstripes, but I like a good baseball knit. Yeah. Uh, we don't have a lot of time for this. Maybe Friday. The biggest what if in Philly sports was what? Think about that. Friday, we'll bring it back. Ryan Rothstein, the host of the Philadelphia City Cast. See you, man. Later. 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with Jeff Mosier. My personality is I, I want to win badly. I want to win more Lombardis for Philadelphia and our fans. we got the greatest fans around, and I will do everything possible. Powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios. This is Football at Four. Football at Four is powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. It's brought to you by the Atlantic City Airport. Plan your next vacation now. Spirit Airlines is offering nonstop flights from Atlantic City International Airport to Boston, Atlanta, San Juan, Miami, and other exciting destinations. Visit spirit.com. Had a good conversation yesterday with Adam Kaplan. And uh, Jeff Mosher is back today. As uh, we got a variety of things we're going to get into. And uh, obviously, uh, as every day we do football at four, we're one day closer to training camp starting. Uh, uh, speaking of training camp, um, now we just had this conversation in the last hour. Apparently, Miles Sanders came out and said, hey, we feel like we're an all-star team, right? That brings us memories of the dream team. Now, I think, though, the dream team comment was made while the Eagles were at training camp which yes. made it such a big deal. I yes. hope this is separated far enough that it won't be really made a big deal about. Well, there's making a big deal about something, and then there's reality versus the perception. Were, were the 2011 Eagles done in by Vince Young calling it a dream team, or was it just not a compilation of very good players to begin with, even though it may have looked that way on paper? I mean, obviously, B is the answer to that. So, I, I mean, I know people will make, make a big deal about what, what's said, but I kind of agree with you that you can't really take something said in late June, uh, you know, that is sort of a, a sort of hyperbolic in nature anyway. We feel like an all-star team, you know, um, and, and sit there and, in my opinion, make, put too much into it. But I know some people will. But if the Eagles aren't that good this year, it's not going to be because Miles Sanders at the end of June said, whoa, this feels like an all-star team I, I don't think anybody oh, I agree on that I don't think anybody on that team by the way I don't think it's like a, some people argue no but it's a reflection that you feel like you've arrived and I, and I don't sense that anybody on that team feels like they've arrived and they just have to show up to win yeah I think that um you're right now when when the backup quarterback <laughs> at that time said it it was like uh, this dream team and it just kind of got blown out of proportion mm-hmm yes Absolutely. And think about everything going on at the time. I mean, I think they were coming out of the lockout. So they were signing players in the middle of training camp that were 
theoretically going to be impactful. I mean, I, there was um, I think I think Colin Jenkins had signed with the team sort of around that period, if I remember, or they got um, a running back at the same time. They just were they were adding players and and also think about that was Andy Reid. He had been to several championship games. He had been to a Super Bowl. They had Donovan at quarterback or no, that was Michael Vick, a quarterback at that point, I guess. Um, but still, there were some really highly accomplished players with a team that had some real high expectations. So it was easier to kind of say that um, for that team. So it made sense. And for this team, it's not the case. So, But I think that they know that. They know that they're not accomplished. They know that they've done nothing noteworthy, you know, that other than winning nine games last year after four the year before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sanders is a guy, by the way. Uh, that would be up for a contract extension this year. I think he's an interesting case study to kind of start with, with, uh, you know, as we head into this year, some guys um, that uh, are kind of playing for a contract. Yeah. You know, we talked about this on the uh, Inside the Birds uh, podcast that dropped Monday morning. We're kind of doing a series on contract. I started off with uh, some of the offensive guys. And I think what's interesting about Miles Sanders is that it's almost like he has to have a mediocre year to come back to the Eagles because if he has a good year, if he makes a pro bowl, his price tag may get too high. The Eagles may say it's just really one year that you were this outstanding and we've got Kenneth Gainwell and we have a lot of picks. So we'll let you walk in free agency. That'll help us in the comp pick formula as opposed to, you know, giving you $16 million a year or, or anything around that versus if he has a terrible year, then he's also probably not going to be back for, the, for different reasons, just not coming back. So, But if he gave you – if you get like, I don't know, 10, 1,100 yards and six to seven touchdowns and that's sort of mediocre now for a running back, could you, you see Miles Sanders coming back then on maybe like a three-year deal with uh, – you know th- that's not top of the market? Maybe. Maybe. I guess it all has to see. We have to see how it shakes out. But there's a lot of Miles Sanders slander out there, and I, I sort of don't get it. I think he's better than people give him credit for. Uh, I think durability is way more of an issue than production. I know people um, like to point out that he scored zero touchdowns last year, and um, it is really fascinating because there's 36 running backs who carried the ball uh, as much as him or more last year, and he's the only one that didn't have – a touchdown, but of those 36 running backs, he and Nick Chubb were tied for the NFL lead in yards per carry average at 5.5. So Miles Sanders does well with the ball in his hand. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He didn't get that many red zone opportunities for whatever reason. They like Kenneth Gainwell in that spot. They like Jalen Hurts in that spot. But so I, I, it's sort of like he's being knocked for not having that opportunity. But I thought he had. When he was asked, especially late in the year when he came back from the injury, I thought he played well. Well, I, I think a lot of Eagles fans have contended that they haven't used Sanders enough. Yeah, and, you know, there were uh, like two years ago, Doug's last year, when, when things were bad, you know, they didn't have the, a lot of leads in the fourth quarter. So he didn't have a whole lot of fourth quarter carries. The team was down by a touchdown or two a lot in those games. So that's not his fault. He did, though, have several runs of 50 or more yards. I mean, he destroyed uh, the Baltimore Ravens defense, the the Steelers defense. Hey, he faced some good defenses two years ago and had some really good games on, again, not a ton of carries. So I think when everything is right around him, he's a good runner of the football and he's behind a good offensive line. So, yeah, you can argue he gets like three or four 
free yards like the others do, but he makes the most of it. He he will turn the Jets on and give you extra yardage, and nobody else on the team right now has what he has to be able to do that. Um, and that's a position, too, that teams just don't like to sign, bring back. Um, I think we've discussed, you know, on a, other editions of Football at Four is do the Eagles this year use up Miles Sanders with no intention of bringing him back? Yeah, I mean, you you would like to think that this year should be different for Miles in that if he can stay healthy, they should have some leads in the fourth quarter. You know, there are certain games that are on the schedule that you imagine that the Eagles are the better team and that they could have a 10-point lead going into the fourth, and that's an opportunity to get Miles Sanders more involved. Go look at the Jets game. He got hurt at the end of the Jets game when somebody fell on that ankle uh, on the sideline that he had aggravated or just come back from a few weeks before. But didn't he have like 24 carries for over 100 yards in that game? I mean, he showed that he can carry the ball 20-some-odd times, be productive, and move the chains for the team. So, again, will he get that opportunity? I would like to see it. I still think he's their best running back all around. He certainly needs to improve things like pass protection, blitz pickup like that. But, uh, you know, so does so does Kenneth Gainwell, for that matter, and, and some other guys. Um Jalen Hurts is another guy. I, I find, you know, I, I was uh, on Birds 365 back a couple weeks ago, maybe two months ago, I don't know, and McMullen said to me, you know, about re-signing Hurts, that if you're a middle-of-the-road quarterback, you get $30 million or more. And that kind of rocked me as of, like, wait a second. Do you want to pay Jalen Hurts $30 million? But is that the going rate for what he's playing for this year? Well, see, there's been a changing dynamic, though, with the middle of the the road quarterback over the last three or four years that they don't get that kind of money anymore unless a team just, you know, makes a, a bad decision. I, you know, I think Jared Goff is a good example of a guy who did get money. I mean, they gave him the contract extension, but they sort of kind of realized pretty quickly and that he wasn't going to be the guy and they were able to trade him to get Matthew Stafford. But uh, let's see. There are a couple of guys I, I was trying to think of the, who you thought were going to get big deals and then didn't get it. You know, like Kirk Cousins is an example, right? Washington, and you could say it was a good move or a bad move, whatever. I don't know. Washington said we're not going to pay him what he wants. We'll franchise him for two years, which pays him a lot, but it's not the longest, deepest commitment. And then they let him walk and go to the Vikings, and neither the Vikings nor Washington has really seen a whole lot of success, although Washington did win the division two years ago. I don't think Vikings have won the division with Kirk Cousins as the quarterback. Um, but you're right that there, there will be a going right. I mean, Kirk made, what, $34 million guaranteed or 33 when he signed with the Vikings. So if, if it's not with the Eagles, Jalen Hurts may get an opportunity somewhere else and get a high price tag. I mean, what did Mitchell Trubisky wind up signing for? I mean, he's going to probably be a backup, but uh, I'm sure he made money that's good, but not $30 million good. Right. Um, well, Hertz is definitely going to be an interesting one because if he has, you know, he's one of those guys, like everything's on the line for him this year. And what if he's, you know, has the same exact year he had last year? Let's just say he, he's the same guy, similar numbers. They won more. Maybe they won mm-hmm. more, but he had the same year. What what kind of decision does Howie Rosen have then? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, the, there's got to be a lot of context to that. If they say, all right, you know, Jalen Hurts isn't that much better, but we can win with him because we're much better all around and we can contend for a championship, then you can see him possibly 
not getting an extension, playing out the fourth year of his deal, then maybe you talk about the franchise tag the year after that. But if he's better improved, then that's the more likely scenario. If they're going to be a better team, it's probably going to be because he took another step up. Then you are looking at the idea of signing him to a long-term deal somewhere in that 30 to $35 million range, uh, assuming he's not, you know, come, unless he like passes for 5,000 yards or something crazy, right? Mm-hmm. But um, you want to get him signed pretty quickly before the Joe Burrows and uh, Rus- if Russell Wilson signs a new contract or any other quarterback right now who's young and might be a sell, uh, Justin Herbert as well, before those guys start to reset the number, which is already at 50. You know, the highest is 50 with Aaron Rodgers. So we'll see what what happens with the, that set of quarterbacks. Um, you got other guys who are in a similar situation, maybe not as high profile, but Javon Hargrave is an interesting guy because – Obviously, they got Jordan Davis and the whole Fletcher Cox situation with his contract um, and how they make the decision on what they want their defensive tackles to be moving forward. Yeah, Javon Hargrave's in the third year of a three-year deal. So he stands to be a free agent at the end of the year, and he's been a very productive eagle. You know, he shook off a a slow start last year from injury, came on at the end of the year. I'm sorry, two years ago. And then last year, he had a Pro Bowl season and was, you know, at times unstoppable. This is the type of player who's going to be on his third contract, but isn't old, right? He's just turned 29 or third or yeah, I think 29. So I think it would be wise of the Eagles and I'm sure they've discussed it that you give me a contract extension. Now don't wait. What's a, what's the reason he's a young enough player and a core player on your defense and a good player that you're going to want him on your team for the next two or three years at least. And so now I would, I would have thought, I think going into the year, there's an opportunity to give him an extension. He's young enough where you don't have to kind of wait and see and, you know, make it to October or November, which is usually when the Eagles, if they're going to give an in-season extension, their history is it's usually November. You know, Tim Jernigan, Alshon Jeffrey, um, there have been some other guys that they've done that for in November, uh, TJ Edwards last year. But I don't think with him you have to wait. I think it would be smarter to not let him continue to get closer and closer to free agency and get the deal done before the start of the season. Um, Slay is uh, another guy who they traded for, had a kind of up and down first year, had a really good second year, and now he's in a similar situation. Yeah, and he is a little bit older. You know, well, more than a little bit older. He's older than Javon Hargrave. I think he's going to be 32 next season. So you do have to be a little careful with what kind of contract extension you're going to want to give him. But this is the last year of his deal, and the Eagles have neglected to use the draft or free agency to get themselves a young cornerback to follow in the footsteps of either Darius Slay or James Bradbury. So it would be very wise of them, in my opinion, to at some point this year give Slay an extension. Now probably – a short-term one, like a two-year one that's going to have a, a pretty high number because the best cornerbacks in the league are making between 18 and $21 million. So he probably would be somewhere in the $17, 18000000 million range based mm. as long as he's playing well. But you don't want to you don't, you don't give him too many years at his age and then have to eat, you know, kind of like what they did with Alshon Jeffrey a couple of years ago and, and really worry about that. But he's certainly – I, Mike, I mean, if you don't give him an extension – and James Bradbury, too. He's on a one-year deal. If he plays well, you might want to get him extended because even though this team talks about getting young corners, they never seem to do it. And you don't want to get yourself in a situation where you draft a young corner 
you want to play him, he's not ready, and you already moved on from two good players. So I think you got to have these guys signed and, and then sort of groom your next generation of cornerbacks underneath them. Yeah, I mean, Slay is, you know, is an interesting one because, as you mentioned, the age there where at what point the Eagles went through this years ago with Lito Shepard and Sheldon Brown where they decided, like, the Eagles had that hard and fast, if you hit this age, we're not signing you. And they did that right. with a lot of their guys. And for the most part, most they were right. I mean, how many of those guys came back to burn them? Not, none of not them, too really. many. Not too many. Right. Not too many. Almost none. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that Dawkins had more in the tank than they were willing to admit. I think he made a Pro Bowl or two in, in Denver there. And and then and their their real failure on that was to just not find anybody else that, you know, through draft or free agency that could even come close to being a, a good starting caliber safety. They were fortunate that they developed Quentin Michael, so they weren't completely, you know, uh, bare in the cupboard, but they found nobody to play opposite Quentin that could really get the job done. They ran through a lot of different safeties. But for the most part, you're right. Guys that they let walk did not um, have as much success as they did as Eagles. Now, all these years later, the Eagles are far more advanced with their sports science and taking care of bodies in a whole different way. And they don't mind signing some veterans who are over 30. I mean, they brought in guys like, you know, Michael Bennett, for an example, and here James Bradbury they got. And even when they traded for Slay, I think he was either 29 or 30. So they have a better belief system right now in, in older players. But, again, these guys don't get six-year deals or anything like that. They, they tend to get short-term deals. Anybody else in a similar situation where they're uh, basically uh, playing for an extension this offseason? We did see the Eagles, by the way, extend guys last year, Josh Sweat, uh, Dallas Goddard. So they did go out and get guys, anybody in that boat, that realm, other than the, men, the, the guys we mentioned. Well, the typical three-year extension guys are really Jalen Hurts and, and Miles Sanders, uh, three- or four-year extension, like rookie contract extension. Those are the two ones that really jump out. But, you know, they gave a one-year deal for $14 million to Fletcher Cox. And I kind of related this to, well, what they do with Jason Kelsey. Three year, two or three years ago, they were giving Kelsey one-year deals thinking this is going to be it. This is going to be it. This is going to be it. And every time they've realized it's not it and he's wanted to come back, they've had to pay him – what he was worth. It's not like he comes back on a hometown discount, right? They pay him like the best center in football. So if Fletcher Cox, who wanted to be back and came back on a $14 million contract, if he has like a good year in terms of sacks and pressures and shows that he's not as declining as maybe last year thought, well, what are you going to do with him? Are you going to let him walk? Or is he, are you going to say, this is still a vital part of our past rush of our defensive line. We need to bring him back. And if you need to bring him back, it's going to have to be at more than $14 because he came back at $14 million coming off an okay to, to subpar season. What happens if he has a better season? So I think that that's kind of a fascinating contract to watch to see what happens with him. Uh, all right. Uh, we know that uh, the Eagles obviously went with a lot of one-year deals, too, this offseason. So you had, as you mentioned, a guy like James Bradbury, um, mm-hmm. You know, he would be a guy that uh, on that one-year deal, Jaquaski Tart just signed. Well, he hasn't signed that yet, right? No, I don't think he, he might might have been today. I know he's supposed to come in and take the physical and sign it. What was the TJ Edwards deal? Do you remember? Was that a one-year or a two-year? So it was. So it was done last year, and it gave him, if I'm, if I remember correctly, some guaranteed money that went into last year's salary cap n- number, and then a little bit. No, I don't think there's much left from this year. In fact, I think he. If he's released, he, there's no cap charge, no cap penalty except 
excuse me, except for whatever kind of, you know, money they spread out over dummy years. It wouldn't be um, real prohibitive. Right. All right. Uh, we've got, uh, obviously, plenty of time to uh, look at the contract extensions, but not plenty of time before we get to training camp. That is happening in less than a month, my friends, and we have you covered here on Football at Four tomorrow. Uh, Andrew, we take a look at the NFC West. We'll preview those four uh, we did the AFC West, maybe the most competitive division in football. Last year, we all thought the NFC West was going to be the most competitive division in football. You have uh, Seattle, San Francisco, Arizona, and, of course, the champions reside there. The Rams, how will that stack up? Andrew will go through all that tomorrow. Adam is here on Friday. Tomorrow morning at 6 is the latest uh, and greatest, the new edition of Inside the Birds. It drops at 6 o'clock wherever you get your podcast. So all our listeners who uh, enjoy listening to Inside the Birds. It drops tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Adam Kaplan and that man right there, Jeff Mosher. All right, pal. All right, Mikey. Talk to you soon. Have, enjoy know. your holiday. Uh, I will. You do the same. I won't talk to you on Monday. <laughs> All, right. All right, Jeff Mosher, InsideTheBirds.com. Yes, we are off on Monday. I keep forgetting that it's the 4th of July already. It's like kind of snuck up on us real quick all right when we come back we got today's headlines for you always fun we got headlines we've got todd rank tonight as well at five sports pass brought to you by american airlines in the atlantic city international airport acy has your one-stop ticket to over 90 domestic international destinations book your next trip today at aa.com mike gill with you headlines next what are some of your favorite stories that you want to hear us talk about? You can text us 609-403-0973. If you have a headline story that you want to hear our opinions on, send it in 609-403-0973 with a link to the story. And we'll comment on that story. More Sports Bash coming up. Now, Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Uh, 427, time for today's headlines. These are some of our favorite stories that maybe we don't give enough attention to during the course of the show. If you have a story you want us to talk about, what's your headline? Text it in, 609-403-0973, or use the free 97.3 ESPN mobile app. Text us the story that's your headline today. What's your headline story, Josh? Well, I want to get to an NBA story first. We didn't get a chance to talk about it much today, but... The Wizards made a trade today for a guy that you would have liked to see in a Sixers uniform. Will Barton and Monte Morris are going to the Washington Wizards in exchange for former Sixer-ish Smith and Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Uh, Smith and Pope are going to Denver. Denver. And then you got Barton and Morris going to Washington. Right. I like Barton the most in the trade, but Smith and Pope... Going to Denver is interesting. I'm assuming that this is also in part because they're assuming Jamal Murray's coming back, so there might be less playing time for Morris kind of thing. Maybe they're trying to capitalize on his uh, value. Yeah, I mean, you bring in Ish Smith. He's kind of like, you know, your classic, you know, backup veteran point guard who seems like he just bounces around and is like... This would be his 13th NBA Wow, how about that? How about that for some random information? Caldwell Pope is a guy who... You know, he can shoot a little bit. He's a bit. streaky guy, isn't I he? I mean, why would you give up Barton for him, though? I mean, they're almost like one and the same, but I like Barton better. Barton's definitely better. Yeah, but they, they're they a similar type of what they do. Apparently, it saves a little money for Washington 
because they're trying to make sure they lock up Beal with a max. And that I'm saying it makes sense for Washington. They got the best player in the deal, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't even know why Denver wants those guys. I can't figure that one out either. You gave up Barton to get Caldwell Pope and of journeyman. Right. So. Can I squeeze a tennis story in here? Wimbledon. So, Serena Williams lost yesterday in her first return match to this young lady named Harmony Tan. Well, Harmony Tan's in hot water today. Because Harmony Tan withdrew from her doubles match today an hour before it was set to start and her partner, Tamara Korpacic, I think I'm saying that name, it might not be. She went on social media and shredded her. So Harmony Tan, the day after defeating Serena Williams, pulled out with what she's calling a thigh injury. Tamara Korpacic put on social media, quote, Unfortunately, my doubles partner retired from doubles today. She texted me an hour before the match. I'm very disappointed. I didn't deserve this. She asked me before the tournament if we wanted to play doubles, and I said yes. I didn't ask her. She asked me, exclamation point. If you're broken after a three-hour match the day before, you can't play professional tennis. That's my opinion. So yesterday, I had a text chain with a couple of friends of mine. One is coming on this show at 5 o'clock. And it went a little something like this. I mean, this Serena is on the brink of defeat in her first-round match. You would think this is the final. This first-round match is an instant classic for the ages. To which somebody said, oh, no. I mean, this Serena is just old. It's sad to watch. She's 40 years old and hasn't played in a year. Who the hell is Harmony Tan? Harmony Tan is ranked 115th in the world. This is by the, the way. conversation, by the way. I was not involved in this. I just kind of watched <laughs> it go back and forth. You watched the ping pong ball go back and forth. Right. Down goes Goliath. No title since 2017. He says, I believe this has to be the last match of her career. She's just too big. She can't move those legs like she used to. <laughs> he says, I mean, that was the girl's first ever match at Wimbledon, to which the other guy responded, that has to be a memory for that young lady's life. Well, it was such a memory, she had to pull out of her doubles match the next day, apparently. To which the entire tennis world is ripping her after Tamara Kropacic put out all the information on her Instagram account. Mm -hmm. Well, the conversation continued. Serena has to get to that 24 mark. She has to. The response was, right, that won't happen. She just doesn't have that eye of the tiger anymore. (laughs) To which the uh, end of the conversation went... Right, that's not a good combo when you're 40 years old. I mean, that was the conversation that I sat through yesterday. And, and right I through. just decided, well, I'm doing a radio show at the same time, so I can't really interact and get back and forth here. That <laughs> happened between the hours of 5.51 yesterday and 5.15. So it was about a 40-minute conversation that I had just kind of, I got it when I was done. I mean, I, when people text me when I'm on the air, I generally see it. I mean, my phone's in front of me, and if it's because if breaking news happens. Right. You know, but I'm not responding all that feverishly. That one I said, who's watching this match? Well, I, I got to say, I'm not like anti-tennis or Wimbledon or anything, but I really don't enjoy the time of the year when ESPN puts Wimbledon on all day. 
I, I don't need it on all day. Put it on the plus, man. Why don't you put it on two? Why is it on the main ESPN? Whatever. I did they put some didn't they put some tennis match on plus and they got ripped for it and then they went and put it back on regular linear? Yeah, they had a situation with a scheduling conflict. I think it was actually was it last year that they had the thing where because it, it was like a semifinal match. I think it was Wimbledon actually, so I don't remember. It might have been like the US Open or No, well, the US Open's not till September, so Here's what you might remember. So, Arch Manning committed to Texas. Today, the ninth player committed in the aftermath of Texas of Arch Manning's decision, five-star wide receiver Jonte Cook II committed to Texas today. So, Texas has now had nine players all commit just because of Arch Manning. Your thoughts? Followers. That's my thought. Like the kid today, he went to Memphis and he is transferring to Eastern, Eastern Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. He was once thought to be the number one overall pick in the draft. And he says, I'm coming home. I'm going to Eastern Michigan. Play the song. That's the guy I admire. Texas now moves ahead of Notre Dame in terms of rankings for the 2023 class. They're now a top five ranked class thanks to all of these commits including Mr. Cook who also went on to tell uh, in an interview that he thinks that the Texas has the two best quarterbacks in the country because the guy who's starting this year and Manning who comes in next year he thinks he's going to be getting lots of yards no matter who the guy is yeah well I get it like you want to play with great players and all that kind of stuff but I don't know man I'm just like I'm one of those people that's like, make a name for yourself. Don't follow him. By the way, Cook is from DeSoto, Texas, near Dallas. So it's not like he's like a non-Texas kid. He's a wide receiver, right? He's a wide receiver. He's the third five-star recruit and the 17th commitment to Texas for the 2023 class, which has seen a surge since Manning announced his decision last Thursday. Well, it's a world of... I'll do what he does. Sadly, it is, but Arch Manning doing more for Texas recruiting than anybody in Texas history. <laughs> is that how it works? <laughs> it's like LeBron shows up. Everyone's going to play LeBron in Miami. Remember that? Is Arch, Manning, is Arch Manning's dad, did he start the team? Hey, my dad started the team. I'll go there. <laughs> um, We talked a little bit about this earlier, but Everybody saw the video of how annoyed Mike Trout appeared about his pitching teammate Elvis Baguero. He was extremely ticked off. Yeah. His teammate was tipping pitches. Trout was in center field and was trying to tell him, hey, man, you're tipping pitches. Even I can see you. Right. He literally simulated what he was doing. The video's great. I mean, Trout just looks like, get me out of here. Give me to Jim's lunch with a burger. Let me go hunting. Let me get out of here. Yeah. I don't even know what's in season right now. <laughs> Trout probably just wants to go somewhere, not there. <laughs> get I feel, I, I mean, like I said, I feel like, you know, he's just stuck in that situation. But, hey, you, you made, he was a free agent. He could have been a free agent. He chose to stay there. And yeah. that's what you get, dude. 
You chose the Angels, and the Angels chose that. Yeah, I mean, look. On one side, it's admirable that he was loyal to the team. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on, I'm on board with that. But I'm on board with it that you made that decision. But if you're going to be miserable there, and you made the decision to stay there, you could have got out of it. I'm glad you didn't. I'm glad you chose to stay with the team that drafted you. Got another story? Or you want me to throw this one? In? Yeah, I got a couple, but go ahead. I'm enjoying myself. Well, I got, a, I got a non-sports story, but it's kind of related to sports for you. Sure. So whatever that means. Well, we talk about you know games on streaming services. We talked about that in the past about yeah. you know the Apple Plus and the Amazon Prime and all this stuff. Well, on the Lights Camera Podcast, part of the Barstool Sports Podcasting Network, according to MovieRankings.net and the service that registers where people watch with streaming service called Streaming Fact LLC. They have pr- produced a map of the number one streaming service in every state in the United States. Wow. And Mike Gill, you might be disappointed to find out what the number one streaming service in New Jersey is. Uh, Apple Plus? No. Apple Plus is actually the number one streaming service in California. Hulu? I don't know. HBO Max <laughs> is the number one streaming service in New Jersey. Ahead of all the others, it is the most streamed platform in the state. How about it? Now, that Mike, makes some sense. You don't have HBO Max. No, it's the one I'm uh, I'm out on, and I need to get it. Now, you do you have Amazon Prime? Yeah, uh, I have access to it. Okay, that's that's all the that counts. So you don't have HBO Max. You don't have Apple Plus TV. Correct. Correct. When will you be deciding to add more streaming platforms, knowing that the world is growing into these other platforms? Um, not necessarily, because I think eventually someone will buy somebody. They'll can they'll they'll merge and so you're you know, wait like, it out. It's like Sirius XM. You know, you had two satellite radio services, which was asinine. Right, and they just merged and got it over with. Right, they just basically said we can't compete against each other. This is stupid. So they just did. It used to be. For those of you who are young kids out there, used to have Sirius and used to have XM. Right. And then they merged to become Sirius XM. XM. So pretty soon you'll have Netflix, Hulu, or well, that Hulu, ain't happening. Hulu, maybe, Flix. maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Hulu Max or Netflix Max. Well, Hulu is what? Well, Hulu is majority ownership by Disney, and the other part of the ownership is Fox. And there's a sliver of ownership that was... So why wouldn't they just take Netflix's library? Well, because Netflix is an independent. That's what I'm saying. That would be the perfect opportunity to grab them. They're owned by an independent. It's not like they're taking Peacock or Paramount Plus. Peacock is the number one streaming service in the state of New York. Speaking of uh, services... Uh, the Live Golf Executive admits that they need TV partners for the long term. Netflix? Oh, that's not a TV partner. That's a streaming service. Well, I don't know if they're going to get a TV partner. Who's going who's gonna, to who's gonna sign up that? I don't know, but uh, they've admitted that they need it. And I said the same thing. Like, if they're not on TV, how long? They, they have... Money, 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 money. But how long are they going to keep paying, 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 paying before they bring in enough money? By the way, um, 
This is something interesting. We talk about ratings a lot and stuff. The NHL ratings were the best they've been since 2019. 4.9 million people watched the Stanley Cup Finals. Which asked the question, Should does that show that you don't need to start your NBA Finals games at 9 o'clock if the NHL Stanley Cup Finals um, started at 7.30? 7.30 pregame, 8 o'clock, puck drop. Yes. I think I think this idea that we have to start these games at 9 o'clock in general is such an extreme that I will take any evidence humanly possible to get the games to start earlier. Like, to me, baseball starting at, like, 8.30, 8.45, that's getting exasperating. Basketball after 9 o'clock starting is exasperating. 8 o'clock's just fine. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're telling me that you're worried about the West Coast audience, and that's why you got to start it at nine, my question is, well, then why don't we start anything earlier? Well, I think that's a very interesting result that was written about um, about start times for the NBA Finals are harder to defend now after watching the Stanley Cup Final. They got four point nine million people. The ratings were very good for hockey. Playing at an hour earlier. So maybe the NBA will follow suit and move some of their games up. I hope so. Oh, I'm still looking at this map of all these streaming services. Mm-hmm. Uh, Netflix is number one streaming service in Delaware, North and South Carolina. Hulu is number one. See, I only watch Netflix. That's really the only one that I watch. Hulu is number one in Maryland, Kentucky, Arkansas, Michigan. I don't have Hulu. I, have I don't Hulu. have Hulu. I do have Peacock, but I could count on one hand how many times I fired up the Peacock app. And it would happen to be the baseball game the Phillies run. Other than that, I, I, I think Peacock is a clunky service. There's only one state on this map that Peacock is number one in. By the way, you want to hear how ridiculous Florida is? Florida has something in common with West Virginia. They're the only ones. You got one. that right. <laughs> They're the only ones who like these services. That's something that's not surprising. God almighty. Florida. You hit the nail on the head with that. They do have a lot in common. Florida loves Paramount Plus. Good. They're the only I- one in the I don't think I have Paramount Plus. If I do, I've never used it. Oh, but there's, but ready for this? West Virginia's favorite streaming service is AOL Plus. I didn't know there was an AOL Plus. That's got to be wrong. AOL Plus, what is that? Apparently, it's it's similar to like a Roku service where like you can like grab streams from other services under its umbrella. I've never even heard of it, but yeah, I, I use Netflix almost. Every day, I watch Better Call Saul on Netflix. I watch uh, Blacklist on Netflix. I watch Netflix all the time, but Peacock never use. Well, you should move to Nevada then, because Nevada is number one is Netflix. Amazon Prime. I don't need to live in Alabama, uh, Nevada. Nevada to use Netflix. I can use it here, <laughs> even if nobody else is. I have Amazon Prime. I've watched one show, uh, The Americans. From FX. Oh, that was an FX show. Yeah, well, I watched it on Amazon Prime. Gotcha. 
But that's the only show I've ever watched, I think, on Amazon Prime. I don't think I've watched anything else on Amazon Prime. There's only one state in the country that has Amazon Prime as its number one streaming service. Idaho. Okay. Makes sense. Does it? <laughs> By the way, Alaska's number one service is Quibi. Ever use Quibi? Never even heard of it. Quibi is like the most random movies on earth. Like, you ever like, sc- scroll through your like Comcast guide of like movies on demand, and you'll be like, you'll click on like, oh, I haven't seen this movie in a long time. It's available on Quibi. And I'm like, what's Quibi? No, but you know what my TV defaults to when I turn it on? What's that? Pluto TV. You I've familiar used Pluto with that? a couple times, yeah. It's like old, old reruns. Tons of old reruns. Yeah, but like if literally if you didn't have a cable service, you can get Pluto TV for free, right? I, yeah, you can get it for free. Um, I think I watched. There's another one too that I think I get. I'm trying to remember that there was a um, there was a Kevin Smith movie I I watched on um, Pluto TV recently. I feel like my phone has like all these like free stream apps that you can use to watch. These random television networks. Well, I was watching a random James Bond movie recently. So. Uh, all right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Uh, Stanley Cup, by the way, averaged 4.6 million viewers. I like it. Coming Hockey. up, uh, Todd Rank at 5. Might do some Sixers at 5.30 tonight. We're efforting that. Even if we don't talk to Tom Moore, uh, I'm going to talk a little Sixers myself because in about 15 minutes, James Harden has to make a decision. He hasn't made one yet. The time, the sand is going through the hourglass. More Sports Bash coming up. Now, back with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. 451 on the Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. I'm Mike Gill. What's going on, everybody? We asked a lot of questions in the 3 o'clock hour. Uh, Ryan had an interesting one. If the Phillies play 500 the rest of the Harperless games, will they be in or out of the wild card race? I think they'll still be in it, but your feel, your confidence in the team will not be good. Like, mathematically, they'll still be within, like, range to get there. But I think the vibe of the fan base will be deflated. I think you got to win more games than you lose at this point. 500. you got to do more than that. Okay. I think for the fan base, if you're somewhere between, like, you know, at worst, you know, 558 winning percentage, at least you're winning more than you're losing. Do you, I, miss, do you miss the pitcher hitting? I could care less. <laughs> now, in all the years that I have talked about my hate for the DH, you've never, like, chimed in and said that you like the DH? Oh, I didn't say I like the DH. I just don't care. Okay, that might be different, but that's a strong take, though. You're like, I could care less. Because to me, the DH or the pitcher hitting is negligible. At the end of the day, somebody's at bat. Someone has to make contact to get the hit. Yeah, well, most fans' thought is that a pitcher isn't the person that has the opportunity or the probability of getting a hit, whereas a regular hitter gives you a better chance to get that hit. There was a time that the DH, I think, mattered, would have mattered more in that case. 
Like, there was a time where, like, there were some, like, really good DHs. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I mean, the DHs have become... Your Eddie Murray's and your Edgar Martinez. The DHs have become a revolving door now. Yeah, the DH today is just the dude who can't field. Uh, by the way, Bradley Beal declined his option. He's a free agent now, so that's out there. Uh, James Harden has seven minutes to make a decision. What do you think is What's taking the wait here, so long? Right? What's the wait? Like, are we actually waiting or just the news didn't leak? Uh, Keith Smith tweeted out something earlier, and Keith will be on tomorrow's show, so we'll get his opinion on this because I can't read his mind. But he said either the 76ers are pulling off some serious cap wizardry where Kyrie Irving distracted us from the fact that James Harden is actually the one taking a $30 million pay cut. I mean, it's certainly possible that both is true. (laughs) I just, like, you know, you got six minutes left before he has to make a decision, and you would think that something, I mean, would, would come out of this. I'm surprised Bobby nothing Portis, is Bobby Portis, by the way, has informed the team that he'll decline his option. Yeah, Bobby Marks tweeted that Portis has uh, early bird rights in Milwaukee, so they can sign him for a four-year, $49 million contract. Mm-hmm. Would you give Bobby Portis $49 million? Uh, $49 million? No. Four years? Uh, you know what? $10 million a year for Bobby Portis isn't all that bad. I like Portis. Yeah, they come out to what, $12 million, I guess? $10 million after taxes? Uh, yeah, like $11 million. Four years, $49 million? Yeah. yeah like a little bit over $11 million. Yeah, I, I, I think Bobby Portis would be a pretty interesting fit with this team. I think he would be... Uh, the, the Sixers need to get more athletic. Maybe a stretch four, too. Yeah, I'm saying he, he's like a, a... like Because one of their most unathletic players is... Tobias Harris. So you would get Bobby Portis, who's a more athletic foreman. And I think that would be an interesting fit for the Sixers. Decent shooter. Shot 40... 47% from three last year. Do you think he plays... This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. As we drive into the sunset on a 5 o'clock conversation, Todd Rank is here. Take you till the top of the hour tonight here on the Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN. The 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Download the app. Take us to the beach. Ride your bike with us. Maybe a walk on the boardwalk. Nice little walk on the boardwalk, man. Playing a little Amber 311. Taking a little bike ride maybe on the bike path. Sitting on the beach. That's the way you do it, man. You just get away from all the problems out there in this world. (laughs) How's the weather over there today? Actually, yesterday was beautiful, 77, nice breeze. Today, it's a little warmer, a little hotter out there today. So it is a beach day. Today would be a beach day, yep. I mean, we're getting to that time of the year now. I mean, the beaches are open, everything's going, people are moving and shaking. But, um, you know. I'd like to join you, but unfortunately, those uh, right, those flights are slightly slightly out of the realm right now. Right? I'll those prices are just crazy. I'll tell you what. So last week, you missed the segment because you had jury duty. Yeah, I did. I mean, how did that go? We're all wanting to know. How did jury duty go in 2022? 
It's not good. <laughs> I'll give you that. If you, you want believe they can do better. That. You believe they can do better. Oh, if you want a picture of how our country's doing, Jerry Duty's a pretty, pretty bad picture. Um, but it's first time they bit me in 44 years. Right, they got So you. they finally, yeah, they finally pulled me in. And it's funny, I only got pulled in on that Wednesday. And I had to, I had to do a little moving and shaking to get myself out of it. You don't believe it's um, your civic duty to just say, I want to do this. Well, I certainly did not want to do it when they told me that the, that, that the uh, trial that I'd be working would be a civil case over nine days. Ooh. I said, I think I'll pass. <laughs> so they go, does anybody have a hardship in this room right. with nine days? And I raised my hand proudly. <laughs> I, said, I said to them, proudly. Well, my, I said, my company will cover me for three days and no more. And That's I said, it. I said, it's a bit pricey out here in the city of L.A. I said, six days without pay. They give you a stipend of, I think, $15 a day on jury duty out here. I said, right, that'll buy me a bag of chips and a Coca-Cola. Jeez. <laughs> so that, along with a f kind of a fake trip that I told him I had to go on that was non-refundable, Airbnb. Right. I'd already paid for it. And that judge looked at me with a little bit of a wry eye. She knew that I was trying to get myself out. But she said, there's nothing I can do. I can't prove him wrong. He will be dismissed from this. I trial. would imagine so. I mean, come on. I figure, like, I mean, look, in today's world, like, there has to be a better way. There has to be. Mm -hmm. And by the way, there's 50 of us to pick 12, right? So you have the, you have the, you have the, uh, the lawyers that get to kind of interview you. And then so you're getting called in 50 of you. They pick 12. Well, because I told them I couldn't do that trial, I didn't get dismissed for the entire day. They sent me down into basically what you would call if you if you went into the cops for the uh, you know a little DUI possibility. You know, I was in the drunk tank. I was basically in a tank with about two hundred other prospective jurors, and you have to sit there the entire day waiting for them to possibly call you for another trial that they need jurors for. Well, so it's just a sit and wait game all day. By the way, guy was snoring at the top of his lungs, had a nice nap in for the day. <laughs> Disturbing my day in that courtroom. I mean, he was eight sheets to the wind, this guy. Right. Well, that's uh, that's an exciting day at the old uh, jury duty. Well, it was my one for the year. So I went in, I felt it, I tasted it, and I don't need it again. Well, I mean, year. like the whole like situation anymore. It's like you're a, you're a jury. You're fearful for your life. Like people are coming after you to try to get you to you know change your mind or sway your vote. You know, I don't need to be a part of that. Have you ever been on any sort of even a two day jury, a three day jury? No, never. But you've been called in, or you've not even been called in yet. I've never even made it that far. Wow. I was a bit shocked when I got called in, to be honest with you. Now, I mean, I have some, um, you know, I, I feel like uh, I probably, you know, I don't know that I would get picked. Number one, I'm a, I'm a member of the media. That usually rules you out there. Number two, my father's an attorney. I mean, I think that kind of disqualifies me. All oh, right. So you do have some, you have a couple of things that would get in the way, possibly. Right. I mean, I've gotten a letter a handful of times, but I've never been actually called in. It was funny that one of the questions on the uh, paper when I was in there was, um, what was it like? Do, does your any of your family members, like your dad or your mom or anything, 
serving like, uh, you know, the military or maybe being a cop or something like that. <laughs> and I wrote in there, oh, my dad's a priest. I don't, know, I, don't know, I don't know where that goes or how far that goes, but I'm just going to tell you, he's a priest, so that may come in handy to knock me out of this trial. <laughs> uh, now, we're after 5 o'clock on this Wednesday. Do you find it odd or interesting? Now, James Harden was supposed to have a decision made on whether he was opting in or out of his contract, and that has not happened. Okay, it just happened. James Harden is declining his $47 million deal, uh, it's a player option for $47 million. He is declining that, and he is now a free agent. But apparently he declined the player option of $47 million to sign an extension with the Sixers with the intent to sign a lesser money deal to try to help the Sixers out to get more players. Is that admirable? Well, it's partly admirable, but I also think part of that is, does he really believe that there's any suitors out there? You know, when we talk about these other guys, John Wall, Westbrook, uh, Kyrie Irving, all these guys who are opting into money, right? They're all taking the big money. Well, I mean, if you're Westbrook, there's nobody going to pay you anything close to $47 million. Mm-hmm. John Wall, same thing. He's played 100 games in five years. He's still getting $47 million combined to play for the Clippers now. I mean, these are the deals, Mike. These guys aren't going to get rid of money. So on that level, I would say to James Harden, it's pretty admirable. Now, the piece of that is, though, if he would have taken that, Mike, he would have gotten it for one year, and then he might he, he would have been done, right? So he's telling the Sixers, let's do a three- to five-year deal maybe? Right. Apparently... Uh, and this according to Sham Sharini, he just tweeted this out a minute ago. He said, Harden's focus is this, win a title next season. Harden returned to his workout and on-court regimen much sooner than usual this offseason, pouring in his full focus on this season and a championship run. Well, and if you've got any dignity uh, as a player, he knows what he was and what he was not last year. And I get it. They put these contracts out there. Why wouldn't you take the money? I get it. But on some level, don't you go to the Sixers, and when the Sixers sit down with you, they go, hey, look, we brought you in here. Mm-hmm. You ended up being our third, maybe our fourth best player on the team come playoff time. Yeah, well, I, I, think we all, I think we all understood that the Harden that you got this year was just not the same Harden that you had hoped or anticipated. Now, what is the reason? I, don't, I think we all have a different reason why we think that is is he past his prime is he too old can he not play anymore is he injured you know all of like did he come in in mid-season he just couldn't really fit in you know because they didn't have enough practice time all of those things i think are fair to, to to ask i think the bigger question though is if he is is he fully healthy that's number one right Do you think if he wasn't fully healthy, let's 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 just go hypothetical. He wasn't fully healthy last year. Do you think him fully healthy starting this year, you're going to see a brand new James Harden? I mean, what do you assume that he then becomes the number two behind Embiid? I don't think you're going to see a brand new James Harden. I think you're going to see an old James Harden. 
Meaning you do believe yeah. that he didn't he, he has more in the tank than he was able to give last year. I do. And and I'll tell you, at the end of the season, I don't know that I felt that way. And I think I've kind of changed my my thoughts on that. I, I feel like, you know, and J.J. Reddick kind of, you know, he's like a guy who when he talks, I kind of like, you know, he kind of like doesn't hyperbolize. And he said something that really made me like kind of say, you know what? Now I'm kind of intrigued to see Harden and Embiid get a full offseason together and just kind of work the pick and roll and kind of just do that in training camp nonstop get the whole training camp just to work, pick, and roll, work, pick, and roll, work, pick, and roll. I don't think they had that chance to really mesh as fully as they could in the time they had last year. And I think that Harden was not 100%. I think he came here, was able to play, but not at the same level, and just kind of was what he was. Well, then, yeah, you have changed. And the funny thing is, you know, I've been more of a Harden guy in the past years I don't love what it's become. And I'll say this, regardless of physically he was 100% or not last year, I didn't like the overall demeanor between the ears. And that really would be my biggest concern when I talk about a culture with the Sixers and what is he going to bring or not bring to the team. Because, you know, he's not a guy that you jump on the back. He's not a Steph Curry. He He's not one of those guys, Mike, that everybody comes around and goes, man, we love this guy. We want to work hard for him. We want to play hard for him. It, it, it doesn't feel that way. It never has in the last couple of years with the teams that he's been bouncing around with. No, and so, I've never been a huge Harden guy. You know that. I mean, uh, I think he's a great scorer, but I just, you know, he, to me, I, I've never been a huge Harden guy. But, I mean, I don't but think... Even with a, but even if he's fully healthy next year, you don't think you're still... There's still a, a, a really large concern with how he's still going to mesh with this team and the personalities and, the and and again, the culture that you're trying to build, I thought he took away a chunk of that culture at the end of that season. I really do. This team was a different team at the end of the year. Like, Embiid, you know, no Simmons. Everybody's thinking, oh, the Sixers aren't going to be able to do much. Embiid took over that team and single-handedly drove that team into the playoffs in a high seed. Then you get in the playoffs and you got Harden with you, and it just didn't feel <clears throat> the same, Mike. I, well, and I think there's a lot of reasons why it didn't feel the same, dude. I, I feel, and I agree with you. I just feel like, you know, it, in the NBA, they just don't practice during the course of the year, right? They just don't get that opportunity um, to get on the court for a couple of days in a row and go through a thing. And then when they got to the playoffs, they did get a little practice time. and We saw them look a little different in the series um, in the first round against – who the hell did they even play in the first round? The Raptors, you know. I think if – I'm intrigued to see what they could do with a full offseason together, full training camp, that's what I should say, more than offseason. Well, what, what other options did the Sixers have? No, I mean, no, no. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, so so at the end of the day, the very beginning question that you brought was it was it legit of James Harden to do this? I would say yes. I would say this is an offering to the city of Philadelphia to say, hey, if you thought it ended bad last year and you really weren't pleased with my performance, I'm trying to tell you I'm all in. I want to be here for a few years. I'm going to do what it takes. I'll take a pay cut in order to get the team what they need to do to have make sure they're under the cap. And so he's he's giving yeah. those pieces that the fans are going to embrace 
to go, hey, man, you're a good dude. We appreciate that. Well, and and isn't that a way to endear yourself? Hey, I'm taking less money to try to help the team out. Well, there's no question. Because who, who do we talk about, Mike, when you talk about guys taking less money? The Golden State Warriors, they've all kind of taken little bits here and there. Dwayne Wade back in the day took a cut. Tom Brady takes a cut. All these guys who have championships yep. are willing to make those cuts. Well, because they don't want to make the money, Mike. They're going to make the money. It just takes longer to get the money. Hey, listen, and that's a that's a such an interesting point that all of these guys have something in common. You know, they took less money and their careers prospered because of it. So the money comes. That that what these guys don't understand. I don't understand it, Mike, because you and me can see it very clearly. Okay, you don't take the fifty million today, so your team stinks because they have no other money. You take the twenty five million. Because over the next ten years, you're going to recoup that twenty-five million and another two hundred million. Because your team's winning, you're getting advertisers, you're getting endorsements. All of those things, Mike, add to your portfolio. Yeah, but if young, you're an athlete, a young person, you know, they it, don't see it. It's it's hard to see. Like, yeah, you're offering me fifty million dollars now, and I'm going to say no. I'm only going to take twenty-five million because I might make that twenty-five million dollars back you know, 20 years from now because I'm a champion. Like, that's the thing, you know, yeah, like if you're a champion and you're a star player, that stays with you forever and you get opportunities because of it. Speaking okay. engagements, commercials, you could be the, the analyst like Tom Brady making 300 plus million dollars. Tom Brady took less money his whole career so that he could be Tom Brady. The Tom Brady we to know today is because Tom Brady took less money. Right? I mean, that's why he's Tom Brady. He says, dude, do I really need $29 million to make my life more successful? I think $21 million, I'll be able to make it in this world. The well, my, and that's the point, Mike. We're not talking about $50,000 to $25,000. We're talking $50 million to $25 million. I get it. To give away that much money is a lot of money. But it's having yeah, but, the belief in yourself, yeah, Mike, that you're going to make that. Guess what? <laughs> at what point? Like, I don't, I'm not like uh, some rich man over here. But, like, at what point when money goes into your bank account, are you like, I don't need that money. Right. You know, like, you right. get to a point What's where. What's the number? What's the number? Right. So Because <laughs> I, I haven't hit that number and you haven't hit that no, number. No, exactly. What is that number? Exactly. Yeah. But, like. It's not like I'm not living paycheck to paycheck where I'm like, oh, my God, I got nothing. Like, I'm going to be like where my paycheck goes in. I'm like, uh, I, did I get paid today? I don't know. Like, and I'm not making a lot of money. My point is, so when their paycheck goes in, I can't even imagine. Are they like, oh, my God, I need that paycheck for $1.4 million this week. Otherwise, I can't pay my bills. Like, when you, how much money in your bank account is it to the point where you notice? These guys can't notice it. So, to take like like Harp, like James Harden, he opted out of forty seven million, and to say that he could go down to I don't know thirty million—that's seventeen million dollars he's not getting, right? So, right. But does he even notice that the check is different? That's my point. Well, and I will say this: to to slightly defend them, I will say, no matter what we all make, most of us in this life live beyond our means. It's just the reality of the way it is. So a guy that's making 30 million, yeah, maybe he has an entourage. Maybe he has some buddies he's bringing along that don't have a job. 
Like he's footing the bill for more things than we are. So I'll give him that, Mike. But the reality is, if you tell me, okay, I'm only making 30 million, I need to make sure my bills can withstand 30 million a year as opposed to 47. I think I can make that work. Yeah, well, that, the that's the, the that's the key. Well, the problem is you need to find the right guy who doesn't care if so and so's making more money than me. Well, it's an ego thing. It's a great point you bring up. Right. It could be more than just the money itself. It's an ego thing. Right. Like I can't I'm the say best I can't say I'm Kyrie Irving and I'm getting a check that's less than DeMar DeRozan because I'm better than DeMar DeRozan. Some people just can't can't tackle that. They can't come to terms with that. I could care less. That, <laughs> I just those are, I could care those less. Are some of those- well, those are some of the rookie contracts, right? By the third year of that contract, maybe that guy is one of the best players in the league and he's still making a minimum salary where the guy sitting next to him that's the, the ninth guy on the bench is making more money than he is. But that's just how it's built, right? That's how the system is built. Mm. We got a trade, again, by the way. We got a trade in oh, the NBA. Oh. The Hawks are trading Gallinari and multiple first-round picks. To the Spurs for DeJounte Murray. Wow, I was wondering if they were going to let go of that Murray. Wow. That push your pile? Well, now you got Trey Spurs... Young and Murray playing together. Well, I was going to say, the Hawks are, 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 are buying and the Spurs are selling. I mean, this, the Spurs, you talk about Popovich being one of the greatest coaches. Now what's he going to be able to do? He's got nobody on Three first-round picks, Popovich. Well, and this is what I talk about the coach all the time in the NBA, right? Popovich is regarded as the best coach in the NBA history. Well, it helps when you have uh, Tim Duncan, Mono Ginobili, and Parker. When you get rid of those guys, all of a sudden he's not so good. Well, that's anybody. I mean, look, the coach doesn't put on the shorts. I, I get it. I'm game. just saying, like, like he's the but best. He does, but, he, but he does the best with what he has, though, Mike. That's the point, too. Yeah, I mean, but he was regarded as the best. He built that up because he had three of the greatest players that ever lived on his team. And not only that, Mike, those players, though, listen to the coach. They talk about this all the time, that, you know, they would take instruction, right? He would yell at Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan would take the criticism and the feedback. The rest of the team sees that. It builds a culture. Same well, thing, right? And by the and way, Tim Duncan's one of those guys that says, I'll take less money so that my team can win. There's no question. Right. I mean, there's so a trend, Mike. Interestingly trend. enough, has James Harden put himself in that Tom Brady, I don't know who else has taken the less money road to say, I'll take less to try to win championships, like down that road. Well, he'll be in the conversation if, if the they Sixers win the actually championship. win. If right. they if win they the win championship, it will go back to this moment that he took yeah. less money so that they can go build the team around them. There's no question. Now, we're not saying to the listeners out there he's equal to a Tom Brady and the rest of them. What we're saying is that conversation, he will be included in the names of those players who take less money to win a championship for their team. Yeah. And, and he is a talent. You could say he was a superstar. You could say now he's just a great player. I don't know what anybody wants to call him. The reality is he's one of those players that we know his name and we know that he was a superstar in this league at one point. So he's going to take less money to try and get the Sixers the championship. You know, I'll give him credit for that. And there's a lot happening right now. By the way, uh, Patty Mills opted out. He's a free agent. Luke Dort 
Uh, the Thunder are declining his option. He's now a restricted free agency. So you got that situation. Dort's an interesting guy. I mean, this is all going to get interesting because free agency starts tomorrow. And a, and a guy like a Patty Mills, Mike, great piece to some team. That's a guy that's a great piece to some team. Again, like a Sixers. I mean, look, again, I don't know what the price well, would be for a Patty Mills. So but the whole thing with the Sixers, there's the reports around here that they are going to sign P.J. Brown. And that is what, what's that? P.J. Tucker, excuse me. P.J. Tucker from okay, the Heat. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, the fact that, I mean, it's been reported for about a week that they're going to sign him. And the part of this whole thing was that Harden would take less money so they can go get a P.J. Tucker. So the Sixers are likely going to sign P.J. Tucker tomorrow. So he will be kind of that veteran kind of tough guy that they just completely lack. And they know each other from Houston, right? Right. They play on that Houston team. They made the trade last week for DeAnthony Melton, who Maury drafted when he was in Houston. Now, Melton was the backup to John Morant this past year. So they go and get him on draft night. So now you get another guy who can shoot, who can score, who's a real athletic guard, something they've really lacked. So Harden taking less so they can go get these pieces. Now their bench all of a sudden has a couple of pieces that they didn't have last year. And I would imagine more is coming. Yeah, and Tucker, Tucker's a great piece because he's got the toughness. He's a veteran, but he also can shoot that set three, right? He yep. can give you that. He sits so, in that corner, right? He sits yeah. in that corner. He's a great piece to the puzzle, Mike. I mean, these are the things now. And maybe the Sixers team, maybe the GM, maybe those guys – sat down with Harden and said, here's the vision we see. But in order to get it, we need you to give us something. And maybe he saw it and he said, okay, if you, if this is our plan, if this is the breakdown, I'm willing to do this. And the Sixers go, look, we're going to get you that money, but we're going to stretch it over a couple of years because mm-hmm. we, we, we just simply can't give you that amount. You know it and we know it. You're not worth $47 million anymore. You're just not. Um, now, all right. Yeah, ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say, I, I could have said that about John Wall. I could have said that about Westbrook. The problem is both those guys said, I'll take the money. I'll see you later. Yeah. I mean, at that point, you know. All right. Uh, we've been asking guests this week. Uh, I saw a tweet earlier this week uh, from Jeff Perlman who says, I maintain there is no greater measure of whether someone is a word I can't say on the radio than if he or she leaves a shopping cart in the middle of the parking lot. How do you view that person? So he's basically saying, I don't care much for you if you leave that. Right. That- there is no better measure of what kind of human you are <laughs> to the guy well, who leaves the shopping cart in like a parking spot or just says, yep, I'm just rolling it right in the middle of the parking lot. Right, here's what I'll say. How do you view that person? There's got to be a caveat to that. You can't just say it's not black and white. It is. It's not black and white. You leave the, you, you leave the cart in the parking lot, you're scum. No. Where did you leave it in the parking lot? And if you had to, was there a reason behind it? No, for example, no, no. There's no example, breakdown here. For example, I'm not saying you leave that in the middle of a parking spot where nobody can now park or they got to get out of their car to move it. What I'm saying is if you put it up against a curb out of the way of a car, because there isn't, you know, you're on the East Coast. There aren't areas out here, some areas back East, you, you don't have to go back to the grocery store. There's actually little areas, right, that you yep. can put the grocery cart. Yeah, we don't have those out here. So if, you have, if you're parked at the end of the parking lot, right. you're, you're going back to the grocery store to drop your, your cart off. I'm not saying that that's 
awful to do. What I'm saying is maybe you, maybe you twisted your ankle yesterday, right? And you say, you know, the ankle's hurt, but I'm going to do my best to put this cart no. off and away so nobody can actually get in the way of like it. Like yesterday, doesn't hurt him. PT said he puts the cart sometimes up with the two wheels hanging off the side. I mean, that's unacceptable. Like two in the grass? Yeah. And two down? Yep. I hate, I mean, that's even worse to me. I, I, I hate that one. <laughs> what he does now you can't do that right he said that's acceptable no i said there are many times when i unpack the cart and i just want to push that cart and say all right i'm done but i have too much guilt yes too much guilt with me giving you the caveat it doesn't mean that i do it i'm just saying i'm trying to i'm trying to give it's funny too because i'll walk that cart back to the little cart area that you're saying you guys don't have out there and as yes. I'm walking it there, I just want to leave it where I'm in, but I just don't have it in me. Yeah, no, if I had that little card area, I would at least throw it in that area because now you're covered, right? You're away from the cars. You're not getting in the way of people having to park. I agree with that. That has to happen. But all right. But if you're if you're parked far away, it's it's a struggle sometimes. Yeah, all right. Well, I still maintain and I and I maintain that there is no greater measure of whether someone is a the word to use I can't use on this on this yes. program, but you know, no, it's it's little pet peeves, and I will say overall I don't love it. I would rather people, you know, what I'd rather people do is when you see somebody getting out of their car to go into the grocery store, you do the handoff, as if you're in a in a in a little bit of a uh, relay race. You tag off that cart and you give it to them and say, here, I'd like to offer you a cart. You, That's what you do. You can. Yeah, you give them the cart. Now they they have a cart, and you both won in that instance. There's the uh, shopping cart picture. Oh, well, that's that's unacceptable. I mean, that's literally at the entrance into a parking spot. <laughs> but you can't get in that spot. No, you at least put it against the end of it. So at least my car, if it has to go in, can't go fully in, but it can go mostly in. And there you see the word that he used to describe. Right? Oh, I'm trying to... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what does he do? And he throws this up on a tweet. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that's great. Harden uh, opted out of the contract. He's now a free agent. So now the Sixers need to try to re-sign him. That's the game now. Right. Now, I mean, the reality is you would say 98% chance that he's going to re-sign, right? I mean, that's the – Yeah. There's – that would be a little bit itchy if he literally did go and sign with another team, but I, oh, I can't that, believe it. He would go from, oh, he's trying to help the team <laughs> to the all-time villain. <laughs> yeah, he would. Jeez. Yes, he would. Maybe he joins Golden State. You never know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be a kick in the cones. <laughs> All right, man. All right, buddy. Have a going. Uh, Todd Rank here on the Sports Bash Live 97.3 ESPN. Uh, when we come back, why did James Harden opt out the Sports Bashes Live? Tom Moore covers the Sixers. He'll tell us next. Now with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey sports leader. All right, so Harden has opted out of the deal. Why did he? What's it mean? Let's find out. Tom Moore, uh, we discussed earlier, Tom, I mean, this could... He could be like a Tom Brady figure all of a sudden. If the Sixers win a title, we can go back to this moment that he opted out of this deal. It helped the Sixers uh, make the team better. Uh, so what's the motive 
in his mind? Why does James Harden decide $47 million, I'm going to walk away from that? Well, um, it sounds like in being told that, you know, let's say instead of $47 million, let's say he signs a three-year deal starting at $37 million, just for example. 37 the first year, 40 the second year, 43 the third year. So three years, $120 million. But the important part about that is that that uh, frees up, that's essentially the $10 million you need to sign P.J. Tucker. Um, and uh, they still, if they're trying to, planning on using the biannual exception, which is $4.4 million, and then they, have, they need like another player to fill out the roster, they're still probably going to have to do something else if my numbers are right, whether that means trading like Tobias Harris, who's making like $35 million this year, and bringing, or, or waiting until next year when he's at 38 and only bringing back like 32, which you can do if it's within, you know, like a 15% plus or minus $100,000. So they still, I believe, then they're apparently telling agents that they're going to be able to use the biannual exception which is the 4.4 million which is the other uh which is the other exception along with this um harden's allowing them to get under the tax the the luxury tax which allows them instead of a 6.3 million dollar exception allows them to use up to a 10.3 million dollar exception they wouldn't be able to get pj tucker for 6.3 but for all all or close to all that 10.3 they can get him the caveat is they cannot exceed. It's about a hundred and just under one hundred and fifty-seven million. They are hard capped for this season, so that's why they cannot just spend and spend and spend. They have to have their fifteen guys on the roster for a total of one hundred and fifty-seven million or less. And if you include Harden, Embiid, Harris if he stays, and Tucker at ten million dollars, you're talking about. Uh, almost $119 million on four guys. So that leaves you $40 million for the other 11 on the roster. Right. And you start adding what they're making, uh, you, you can see it's going to be tight. Yeah, so he makes this decision. You mentioned Tucker uh, as a guy. I mean, if Harden doesn't do this, Tucker can't get the deal that he's looking for, correct? Probably not, or they would have had to do like a sign-and-trade deal where they would have had to send something to Miami and then get Tucker back that way, but they still would have been hard-capped. They would ha- still would have to be hard-capped. So it was going to be a similar issue almost no matter what. So, But, yes, the short answer is that they would have had to, and I was told twice by an NBA source that they are not going to dump salaries. Mm-hmm just to sign somebody. I still think unless they make a trade, like I said, with Harris or somebody, they could bring less money back. It still could involve Seibel for a future first-round pick or second-round pick or maybe even Cork Moss and a second-round pick for a protected second-round pick or something like that. That still could. That still is an option, let's put it that way, for them to get where they need to get. Now, uh, uh, Tom Moore's with us. He's a uh, longtime Sixers uh, writer is now a columnist for the Bucks County Courier Times. You wrote the other uh, earlier today about you know that he was going to opt out and that uh, he would give the Sixers space to sign a one impact player. Is that impact player Tucker? Right? I mean, that's the the impact player that you think uh, or the level of it, player. It sounds like it. I mean, you you know, I don't at that 
$10 million exception, you know, you could, you know, there are some interesting guys out there. TJ Warren, who was a star for the Pacers, um, and then has, has had left foot injuries, played in four games early in, in the 2021 season and didn't play at all last year. He's out there. There, you know, there are some in- interesting guys, but I mean, Joel Embiid's essentially 75 second plea for PJ Tucker or a guy like him, a tough guy who defends. I think it, it, this tells you that they're really trying to make him happy and give him, and this is something they lack, but you know, the concern is he's 37 years old and a three-year deal, or even a two-year deal with a partial guarantee for a third year. He's 39 at the end of the second year. Now he played at a high level and he shot over 40% from three this year and he defended Embiid. He defends the, um, and he's tough, and they don't have tough. If something happens, they don't have a guy that's going to get in another guy in another team's face, and that's that's the the thing that he brings. He doesn't fear anybody. Now, if Harris is here, it's a little curious that you're going to start those two guys in the forward spot. Neither one's really a small forward; they're both power forwards. Um, so I'm not sure. I, I you know I don't know for sure what's going to happen. Um, I don't think you get him to bring him off the bench. I mean, he would certainly need to be out there at crunch time. You know, he'd play at the end of the games. Um, but, you know, we'll have to see. There, there's more that's going to happen. It's just a question. And who would be the guy at the 4.4 biannual exception? To me, uh, uh, a guy that I would be really interested in is Otto Porter. He signed for the minimum and won a championship with Golden State, but they can only give him a 20% raise from the veterans' minimum. So he could get about 2.8 million out there. The Sixers have the 4.4 million. If it matters to him, and I don't know if it does, but if it does, you know, he's a three. He's versatile. He can he he can shoot. He's six eight. I mean, he would look really good either coming off the bench or as a starter. You know, in that three spot. Let's say if they would move Tobias Harris, which I'm just surmising here. I don't I don't know that yeah. that's going to happen, but that's one possibility to get where they need to go um now as you mentioned and and other people have uh, kind of uh, agreed with is that the Sixers have kind of said they don't want to dump players but that doesn't mean that they wouldn't trade players to make a swap right like if they said we think we're going to get better because of this three that wouldn't necessarily be a dump you're when you say the word dump that just means hey you take this guy off our hand because we're trying to clear salary that's different from saying hey we'll give you Thibel for is that still a possibility well, I mean, it's all the same. If you trade Thibel for a future pick, to me, that's a dump mm-hmm. because you're not getting talent back. You're not getting a player in return. And maybe my source doesn't view it that way, but I'm pretty sure it means they're going to trade a player and get another player back uh, is a, not a dump. So that that might not be their choice or their preference, but if they get down to plan you know, plan E or plan F, and it's they still need to, 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 to create some some space to get this done and to sign, you know, one or two players here and then maybe a minimum player to round out the roster. It's something they could, they could end up doing. To me, a, a, a trade is, is you trade a guy for another guy. A dump is you trade a guy mm-hmm. for a pick. Now, and maybe again, maybe that's not what everybody thinks, but that's my interpretation. Now, there is some reports too that the salary cap could increase. I mean, how significant could that be well, for the Sixers? The thing is, it's a little. It, it looks great, like eleven. It's up eleven point six million, but it was projected to go up ten million already. So it's only one point six million more than was projected. So it helps a little bit. The one point six million helps a little bit, 
but it's still not going to be enough. You know, if it went up 10 million more than they expected, then um, they might, with if Pardon takes starts at 37 million, let's say instead of 47, and they have 10 million, there's a 10 million gap. That might be enough to do what they need to do, but it's not. You know, but it's not. It's only 1.6 million more than they projected. It sounds like a big deal, and it helps some, but. As I said, it was projected to go up 10 million, so it's only 1.6 million more. So the luxury tax, the cap, and the luxury tax apron are all 1.6 million dollar more than expected. Some help, but not a great deal. How much does Maury's relationship with Harden uh, impact what happened today? I mean, I would think so. You know, he said he, you know, he said earlier he wanted to come here when he got traded to Brooklyn, but he didn't have a choice in the matter. and, you know, Hart, uh, Maury acquired him from Oklahoma City when he was the sixth man of the year. And, you know, three or four years, whatever it was, five years later, he's the MVP of the league. He became a star, led the league in scoring three years in a row, averaged over 30. Um, you know, Maury said after the draft that, you know, we, it's a, uh, a love fest, I think it was the term he used. So I just thought that I, you know, and Woj reported last week that, you know, he was going to opt in. So that's why it was a little confusing because everyone just assumed he, he was going to take the money. Um, I mean, he's made a lot of money and still let's, like I said, 120 million over three years is, you know, still pretty, <laughs> a pretty good wage to play, uh, you know, 70 games of basketball or 70 regular season games of basketball. Plus, you know, maybe double digit, uh, play, uh, 10 to 20 playoff games in a year. So, but there clearly that was, you know, important and, and maybe more stressed with him, you know, look, this is what we need to do. If you take the 47, we're not going to be able to get Tucker and maybe, uh, you know, a second guy, whether it's Porter or whoever, you know, we're not going to be able to address our needs. Our bench wasn't good enough last year. We need to be deeper and we need veterans. We don't need young guys, which is another reason they traded the, the pick. Cause you know, they want to win now and beats 28. Their windows now. Harden's yeah. thirty-two. Will be thirty-three in, in August. So I'll leave so. you with I'll leave you with this then, Tom. Um, just to kind of explain to the listeners how significant this decision was uh, for their off season. In term, you mean in terms of what it enables them to do? Yeah, I mean, if he opted back into the deal and took the forty-seven yeah. million, how much would that have changed what they could do to better this team? Well, they wouldn't have been able to sign, you know, Tucker or anybody for the $10 million unless they dumped, you know, let's say they traded uh, Harris uh, to like Oklahoma City, a team that's significantly under the cap. They could they could take some players in return, but they would need to take back maybe half of his salary, roughly, um, Harris's uh, salary to make it work. This way, you're, you're not. If you trade Harris, you can trade him for other assets. So you're not weakening your team, and maybe you're addressing. You know, maybe they can get another wing who can defend. Um, they like Melton. He's six two, but he's got a six eight wingspan. He's a, he's a good shooter. He's a pretty decent ball handler. He can play the one and the two. Um, will be a, a big upgrade at the defensive end at the one and the two positions. So they need. You know, they if, if they. If they signed Tucker, but they couldn't keep their roster, and let's say they had to trade Maxi for nothing and Corkmoss for nothing, just for argument's sake. Now, Corkmoss really wasn't in the rotation, but uh, excuse me, uh, Fiebel, not Maxi. I apologize. If they traded Fiebel and 
Um, they traded Korkmaz for just future picks. I mean, Feibel's a flawed player offensively, but he's a very good defensive player, and he's certainly a rotation guy. You may be in the situation where you may have to sign three undrafted rookies to fill out your roster to stay under that $157 million right. luxury tax apron. So it, it, it gives a lot of flexibility that they wouldn't have had otherwise, and it theoretically should make them a deeper and better team next year. Uh, Tom Moore covers uh, the Sixers columnists over at the uh, Bucks County Courier Times. Uh, the NBA is uh, lighting up right now. You've had trades. Uh, you've got uh, DeJounta Murray heading to Atlanta. You've got all sorts of stuff happening. I mean, Bradley Beal opted out of his deal, and that's like third on the list of things. So uh, tomorrow should be very interesting. We'll see what the Sixers do. But today, James Harden opts out of his deal with the intent to sign back on a shorter-term, shorter-money deal. We'll see if that ends up happening. Who knows? The NBA could throw us a curveball, and maybe James Harden will join the Warriors like uh, uh, Kevin Durant did at one point in his career. Tom, I appreciate you jumping on. i on that, but you never know. Thanks, <laughs> right? Mike. Exactly. Thanks, Tom. Take care. All right. Uh, Tom Moore. Always, uh, I mentioned the other day, Tom's covered the Sixers, I think, 34, 35 years, something like that. Uh, so, well plugged in there to give us a couple minutes here on the... Uh, brink of that decision by James Harden, which he opted out, and now we'll tell you uh, what's next. Phillies lineup, I got that. Braves tonight, all that and more. By the way, uh, tomorrow's show, Keith Smith will go over it all with us. There's nobody that knows the salary cap and all that stuff better than Keith. Uh, Book Shiambi is on Friday show. It's Phillies Cardinals this weekend. We'll preview that series with him. More Sports Bash coming up. Better. It's Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Max. Weekdays starting at 6 on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Yeah, get the mobile app. You can win tickets to Ramstein this summer. Download the app. Enter on the app. If I call your name on Happy Hour Friday, you're going to see Ramstein live. Lincoln Financial Field. Got to have the app. It's free. Thanks to First Back of Sea Isle. Get the app, enter to win. If I call your name on Friday show, you're going to see the show at Lincoln Financial Field on uh, Wednesday, August 31st. Phillies lineup tonight, Schwarber, Hoskins, Castellanos, Hall, Derek Hall hitting fourth. He's the DH tonight. He got called up today because uh, Camargo got put on the DL, the IL, excuse me. Romuto, Gregorius, Bohmstadt, Moniak is in the lineup tonight, batting ninth. Ranger Suarez is your pitcher for the Phils. Uh, they need this one tonight. Can't start losing games against the Braves. Then you have the Cardinals coming up. This is a very important stretch. Braves, Cardinals, Nationals, Cardinals again, I think. So you got seven against the Cards coming up over the next uh, week or so here. We got that. It's not a must-win game, Mike. Ah, there's no must-wins in July or August or June or whatever month we're in, but... You know, you, you gotta, just know it's Wednesday. That's all you know, right? I'm not even sure of that. I'm not even sure. All right, that'll do it for me. Game night's next. Dave Weinberg, who uh, just had a nice honor, right? Yes, he did. I can uh, tell you more about that tonight at 620, or you can go to our website, 973ESPN.com. Uh, Dave Weinberg was just giving a nice honor. We've also got. Tomorrow's show, Keith Smith, NBA free agent. It actually doesn't start till 6 o'clock tomorrow night, right? I thought it was 6, yes. Yeah, so we actually probably won't get 
announcements, but we'll probably have some like, hey, this is going to happen, you know, stuff like that. So keep it here tomorrow for NBA free agency. James Harden opted out of the deal. What's it all mean? More on that coming up on game night. Dave Weinberg, I'm out. I'll be back tomorrow right here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app.